Welcome to another episode of Campus Life, the college half of our flagship podcast here at Campus to Canton. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. And uh, continuing on with our offseason coverage of everything college football, it leaves us a lot of options here, Colin. What you know, what, which direction should we go? We have we spun the wheel uh, to see where it would land. We're, we're going to talk a few things tonight. We're going to talk some transfer portal landing spots uh, that have happened over the past few weeks, and that's still obviously moving uh, quite quickly out there. Uh, we're also going to talk a little bit about the uh, All-American Bowl that happened this weekend, uh, high school uh, all-star game. And uh, and there are two of them. We're only going to talk about the All-American Bowl. The Under, the Under Armour All-American Bowl happened uh, the week prior. And then we're going to do a little two-round freshman mock real quick, Colin, just to... Uh, to uh, round out the episode here and start getting you guys familiar with some of the names that we did that a little bit last week when we talked early signing day, but, but some of the names and, and where we're thinking uh, this early in the process, uh, they'll probably be going uh, in your leagues this, this year. Yeah. I mean, transfer portal news, we, always flowing in. So there's always something we could talk about with that. If we want, I mean, we have 157 players on our portal tracker alone. Um, so, you know, a lot of player movement there and then just freshman time of year, man. I'm excited. Um, I did get to watch a good amount of the all American bowl. So excited for that. This really is my favorite time of the year in terms of like what we get to watch. Uh, because I, I really, the, the freshman stuff is my favorite part of, of everything. C2C leagues. I think it's still an area like that. And, and CFF, I feel like are places, you know, the, the dynasty stuff and, and rookie drafts and rookie content like it's good people want it we produce it but there's really no edge there like even if you're doing so much better than everybody else in terms of rookie evaluation or, or dynasty strategy or roster construction in a in an nfl side of a, a c2c league or a dynasty league or, or something like that there's not really that much of an edge I, I it's it's probably barely quantifiable i don't know if it's quantifiable yet for the college side but i still think there are large edges when it comes to CFF and when it comes to nailing a lot of these freshman picks and kind of strategically building a roster. So I think over the next couple of months, our job, our duty is to get <laughs> duty. I said duty, <sighs> my face yeah, yeah. Um, is to get you guys thinking about some of those things and get us rethinking about some of those things. You know, that's why we've talked about, I'm already rethinking my entire roster construction strategy uh, we talked a little bit about it in the Discord this week, and and once we flesh it out more, we'll probably talk about it more on this episode. Uh, but I I just think there's lots of edges there, so I think just digging, getting your fingers and in, in your claws into the the you know nitty gritty part of that, and kind of just talking about it and thinking about it, I think is going to help us set us apart over the next couple months as we, you know, maybe we had a contender last year. And we're, we're just trying to, to, you know, keep that thing going. Or maybe it's a rebuild. You can rebuild in one year in these leagues if you even have a semblance of an idea of what you're doing. So that that's kind of what we're going to be doing. And I think um, I think there's nowhere else uh, to, that I'd rather go to get that information. Am I biased? Maybe, maybe a little. Maybe. But, I mean, yeah, I, I think uh, I think we've, we've generally done a pretty good job of that over the past couple of years. Everybody at campus to can't. I don't just mean... Colin and I. I mean, like the the group well, really, at yes, us, but everybody else too. Yes. Um, no, we're, I, just, I can... we're just the sexy voices and faces yeah. of C two C. But you know, um, no, I I completely agree with you. I think that at 
this point, if you are in, if you're in a C2C league, you're so far down the rabbit hole that dynasty is, I don't want to say easy for you, but it's, there's so much more information out there. And if you're in a C2C league, you probably already know where to go for dynasty. And you probably have already have a good idea of the dynasty strategy. So like you said, there's not nearly as much of an edge that can be found there. Whereas it doesn't matter like how like you can have the strategy for like freshman picks, but you still have to do the research and or trust find a trusted source and you have to hit on these guys, you know, because the the turnover is so much more intense in, in the college side. It so much swings from one year to the next year. Like there were so many guys this year that we liked last year that now we're completely off of, you know, Keon Grace is a guy yeah. that he was a big year one zero last year, which was kind of a surprise to us. And now I'm pretty much off of him for completely for, for Debbie purposes. Now he's in an Ohio state offense. So if he gets on the field, like theoretically he has some CFF value, you know, but from a Debbie perspective, I'm off of him, you know, Talon Shetron, um, a guy, another guy that could, you know, hit for CFF purposes, but a guy that I don't feel good about, uh, for Debbie purposes anymore. And that's not what something we could say six months ago. So there's so much changing and, uh, it is, this is the time of year where you really have to flesh out your opinions on these freshmen. So you can get started on that rebuild on, on your C2C side and churning that end of that roster. The guys on the official, um, did a really good job. And I, this is, this is like new year, you know, new everything. Like we've already had a ton of new people signing up to the site over the past couple weeks. Like once the off season, you know, the off season kicks in when we just start seeing like the membership start climbing. Yeah, climbing, climbing. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's the, that's the sign that, that it's time to, to bunker down and start getting some of this, uh, looking at some of this stuff. Um, and, uh, so for anybody that's new, doesn't really know the premise of the show. Um, I'm Austin. He's Colin. We hate oh. each other, but yet we love yeah. each other at the same time. Um, the official is our, uh, recruiting show here. Uh, a large portion of our recruiting group, uh, is on it and yes we do full recruiting rankings they're over at the website this week on the official which is a youtube show that usually goes live on our youtube page campus to canton thursday mornings it also goes out as a pod saturday mornings on here on on the podcast network go check out their last episode if you want they broke down how we did compared to all the services last year recruiting and services recruiting services yes which 24 7 sports rivals on three some of those ones that you've probably looked at that you've been looking at recruiting information uh, we performed favorably uh, with all of them. We, I, on three is the only one that did better than us. And, and when you look at the aggregate, we did better than 24-7. We did better for rivals when it came to the initial pro, uh, uh, projection for these freshmen entering. And we had a couple different ways that we kind of sliced that up to look at it. Uh, they did a really good job on that. So go listen to that. Uh, take a look. Um, and we're tweaking some things this year. I think I, I feel I mean, I think this is a better class than last year. But I also yeah. think I feel better a little bit about what we're looking at just based on some of the stuff that that David and Matt are two big recruiting guys have been working on. Um, and also, you know, just another year fine tuning the process. So um, I think it's going to be a good year. I, I really, really do. I'm, I'm looking forward to my freshman drafts already. My first one, our first one, we're both in this league together, mm -hmm. 20 teamer. It's an auction. It's like a bankroll. It rolls over every year. Uh, yours truly is the reigning college champion. Had to um, throw that in there, huh? It, it's pertinent to the conversation, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. obviously. Uh -huh. um, so that and that starts in like a month and a half. Like it always kicks off in March. So um, I'm I'm already getting for that. I have a notes app on my phone. 
And anytime I just think about something like, oh, I think I could like, you know, like I, I just write it in there and I have like a full thing already of what I'm thinking I'm going to do in this league. So now I've got to start playing um, like defense against Colin a little bit here. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of defense, that's what I really jot down is like defensive players because yeah, that's an a full, IDP league. It's a, yeah. yeah, it's an IDP league, full IDP, um, which thanks to justice uh, at our site, uh, we now have some IDP content up there. Justice but, literally won me that league this year. Just like shout. He's out. in. That, it's yes. funny because he's in yeah. that league. Yes. Every IDP league that I'm that I am in, he is also in. So, but like, I mean, obviously he can't roster all of these guys, but he has a lot of the top guys rostered. But which one thing that sucks about going to you, using your league mates source for uh, help is that he helps him. You know, I don't want to say helps himself first, but he knows the advice already. So he knows. Who Don't, to pick up. So I try to give advice like as soon as I think of things, at least in our discord. And then maybe I'll hit Twitter with it, you know, late at a later date. Yeah. Um, there, I've definitely been guilty of like waivers run tonight. I'll share this info in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> you have to sometimes yes. like in season, like you do, you just yeah. have to. Um, but uh, I mean, I, I don't, uh, it's not like I'm withholding for months and months yeah. and months. And then once the season starts, I'm like, oh yeah, I've been hearing by the way that like this guy's actually going to start. And yeah. like wide receiver wanted a very viable position at a very viable, valuable, like, you know, offensive system. Yeah. So uh, it, it's always so fun. <laughs> so fun playing that game. It really, really is. Delicate Over the balance. course of the offseason. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Enough um, talking about about us and about C2C. Uh, go check out campusdecant.com if you're looking for more information. If you've never been over there uh, or if you're just looking, all of our articles and, and, and things like that are free. So you can at least get a flavor of what we work on over there. But tonight, yeah, Colin, let's talk about some some portal landing spots. Um, we have a lot of them already, and I think the portal was not quite as crazy as we thought it was going to be this year. But I think we still got some really solid like tier two guys that yeah. can make a really big difference at their new school. Um, no real superstar movements. No Caleb Williams this year. No, uh, at least not yet. No, you know, Jordan Addison. Guys mm -hmm. like that really haven't uh, been hitting the portal. But uh, I, I want to start in Louisville column which seems like a weird place to start but that that's where i want to head first here louisville i think is how sorry louisville louisville felix louisville. didn't say right either he lives there no. so whatever um felix one of the co-founders here at campus to canton again for anybody we'll try to keep it caught up as long as we can um <laughs> louisville new head coach jeff brom right yes okay i get confused because <laughs> he has brian's his brother yeah nope it's jeff Jeff Brom, former head coach at Purdue, finally made the move to Louisville this offseason. He runs an offense that we really, really like for college fantasy. Like just yeah. That that's basically the the gist of it. Pretty much every stop that he's been at, either in an offensive coordinator and a head coach capacity, his quarterback has been amongst the most efficient in the country. And with that efficiency comes a shit ton of volume as well. So it's not like they're throwing 20 passes and they're completing 15 of them and it's, you know, yay but they're still running the ball 50 times a game. No, they're going to throw the ball quite a lot. So we like his offenses. He's had, you know, Aiden O'Connell has been very, very good. His quarterback the past couple years, his quarter, his wide receiver one. It's always been very, very productive this year. Of course, Chuck Sizzle, Charlie Jones there, the um, super, super senior. That being said, I mean, he, he's rebuilding this whole offensive roster at Louisville. They lose their quarterback, Malik Cunningham. He, he's out of eligibility. He's gone. 
they had uh, Braden Doman or Doman, however you say it, was the backup there this year, and he got in a couple games that Cunningham was hurt. Like he looked fine, but I, I don't think that he's the savior of that program or a guy that that Brom necessarily would love. So here's what Brom did this offseason: he went out and got a guy that he's worked with a quarterback before, Jack Plummer, who was uh, in the rotation at quarterback at Purdue a couple years ago. Went to Cal, started a Cal last year, and, and it was okay. Completed 63% of his passes, over 3,000 yards uh, passing, 21 touchdowns, nine interceptions. Uh, a decent year, especially for a team like Cal that, like, quite frankly, I don't think we think that any of their uh, offensive staff or, or maestros out there kind of conducting this this beautiful symphony. Um, so Plummer's over there. I think he's probably, if I had to guess today, probably going to get the nod for next year. So I think Plummer's going to be a guy that's going to be interesting in supplemental drafts because he's probably not rostered a lot of places. The other names, though, that I think are really, really interesting here, Colin, are Kevin Coleman and Jamari Thrash, two wide receivers that are going to be in play to lead that team next year. Jamari Thrash is a guy that a lot of people don't know. His dad, James Thrash, right? Is James his dad? Mm-hmm. I believe it was Madden 2000 or 2001. I was a real big fan of using the Eagles in that game. And his dad was a wide receiver for the Eagles uh, when they were good, like when they had Don McNabb, yeah. um, like that iteration of the Eagles. His dad was like, I don't know, the wide receiver two, three, whatever on the roster. He was a good player. Uh, his son now was last year at Georgia State, 61 receptions, 1,122 yards, and seven touchdowns. Very, very productive. And Coleman, freshman at Jackson State last year, was a top 10 recruit in the class and then went with Dion there and didn't follow him to, to Colorado, which is interesting. We can talk about that here in a second. But on the season last year, 33 catches, 510 yards, three touchdowns. So those are I am I am as of today working under the assumption that those are probably going to be the top two targets. What do you think about all of these new pieces going there, Colin? Yeah, I mean, I think this is going to be um, kind of like Ole Miss and USC were last year, where sure. these offenses are just, you know, all portal. It's all plug and play out of the portal. You know, this is a guy who got a new job and is using the portal to his advantage and is picking and choosing who he's bringing in to be a part of this offense. So I absolutely think all three of these guys, it's safe to presume that they are the starters. Uh, Tyler Hudson, the leading wide receiver from Louisville last year, is he declared he's going pro, so he's not going to be there this year. Uh, They'll still have Amari Huggins-Bruce, I believe. Um, So they'll still have a couple other pieces there, but I I think it's going to be Jamari Thrash and Kevin Coleman will be the, the two probably primary guys. Now, they're both a little bit smaller guys. Thrash is six foot 180. Kevin Coleman's 5'11, 175. So, you know, similar size, smaller guys there. So it'll be interesting to see if, if there's any overlap at all there. But I, I would still operate under the assumption that they will both be starters. Um, you know, and Kevin Coleman as a true freshman. Now he was in the uh FCS, you know, but he still would have been a non year one, zero 33, five, 10 and three. That's a nice, that's a really nice year for a freshman. Uh, and then in their final game, the cricket celebration bowl, which is essentially the championship there. Um, you know, he went seven catches, 137 yards and a touchdown. So he capped off the year on a nice note. So he kept played well as a freshman, built that up. He's got the pedigree there. Um, you know, as a recruit, a top 10 wide receiver in the class. So I think he's probably my top target out of this group, honestly. Um, Not to knock Jamari Thrash. I think he could be very good. But Coleman, I think, could step in to be that next wide receiver one in a Jeff Brom offense, which has been very, very productive. 
It's like you're looking at Rondale Moore, you're looking at David Bell, Chuck, uh, Charlie Jones, Chuck Sizzle this year. All those guys were very valuable for fantasy. So I, I think that's probably where I'm leaning right now. Is it fair to guess, Colin? Because I mean, it, it's tough to recruit at Purdue. I mean, it, yeah. it really, really is. They, they, uh, Brom did a really good job. They're kind of exceeding the 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 talent from the perspective of like the the recruiting services. They, you know, they don't always nail it, but it's generally a pretty good indicator of success. You know, four stars, five stars, ratings. There, they generally never really recruited well from a rating standpoint, but they did very well from a development standpoint. Is is Coleman the the, be, the most talented wide receiver that Brahms probably been with over the past decade? I mean, it, it doesn't feel like that far fetched. Even with like, what are the which of the Purdue guys have even really made it to the NFL and done anything? Like Rondale, I mean, obviously, and then yeah. David Bell. Yeah. Rondale probably is the most talented. Uh, Bell yeah. was a good player, but I think we've seen the NFL. His his limitations are pretty apparent. Uh, uh, Coleman, at least in that group. Yeah, I think Coleman's in that group. I, I think it's hard to say that anybody is at least more rawly talented than Rondale, just given how dynamic of an athlete he is. But I think all things combined, yeah, and especially when you factor in like recruiting pedigree, yeah, Kevin Coleman would be the... Uh, most talented overall wide receiver that Brom has probably ever had. So, you know, NFL success remains to be seen. You know, we'll see how that kind of goes. I think that Thank you, Louisville. Patrick. I was going to say, I think that Louisville and Purdue are on similar levels in terms of how the NFL would view those guys coming out of there. So it's not really? like, I mean, Louisville like, might be like a half step up. But you did, did I miss? I thought you said that you you think the NFL views them differently. Is that what no, you I think I don't think they view them differently. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Sorry, I, I misheard you. I was like, oh no, that, this is this is an interesting discussion <laughs> I did not envision having. But yeah, no, no I, I, I no, I, I think they. So yeah, I think they view them similarly. So it's not like you know Jeff Brom's going to a, an SEC school and now bringing all these guys where they might raise their pedigree even further. But I, I think that Kevin Coleman again given the talent that he has is going to have the is going to have a good shot at the the NFL. He's a twitchy guy. I mean, you can say 5'11 170. Like he's he does not have a ton of play strength in my opinion, but generally uh, uh a pretty dynamic route runner. Uh I think at the end of the day he's probably better the further he gets from the line of scrimmage. Like I don't know if he's even a, a guy just because again of his lack of play strength that I'm necessarily feeding like a bunch of screens or things like that. I don't know that that's what he's best at, but if you can get him in like the interne intermediate and long game, I think that's where he'll end up really, really succeeding. Um, so I, I, I'm trying to think of like a, a, a decent comp for him. I don't know that I have one. Like maybe the ceiling is like Zay Jones, Christian Kirk type player. Mm -hmm. Th that feels like maybe the, the kind of guy that he could end up being. Uh, I mean, he was a top 10 kid in his class last year at the wide receiver position, uh, according to the composite. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to bet against Coleman. I think he's going to be one of the more difficult evaluations as the offseason goes on in terms of what should I be paying for this guy? Because in 99.9% yeah. .9 of C2C leagues, you're not allowed to own guys that are in the FCS. So he's going to be a free agent. He'll, he'll be available in that draft for you to take. So I really want to see where he ends up coming in. And I think if he'd gone to Colorado, he would have been a little bit cheaper. But Louisville is going to be seen as kind of a premier destination for fantasy purposes. So yeah. I don't. Uh, I mean, third round. You think he'll go earlier than that? Later than that? And 
over under what do you pick pick 30 colin what, what, what are we thinking here how to put it right in the middle of the third day um so people get freshman fever like they get rookie fever yeah so i think that's a good estimate for him if you're just kind of looking at it more objectively he at least has now it was at an fcs level but he at least has a track record of performing as a true freshman like he's not a year one zero so should he go a little earlier than the mid third yeah probably i would probably start to look at him maybe pick 20 so not a ton earlier but maybe like pick 25 um just kind of off the top of my head maybe back end of the second there very early in the first rather than like mid or third very early third rather than the mid third yeah, I mean, I think after the top five or six wide receivers, you can make an argument for him. Yeah, and even I got because I'm looking at my personal rankings. I'm you know I'm saying I, a guy like uh, like Jalen Hale, who's going to Alabama, who's like a borderline uh, four or five star kid. Like it's a crowded room. I don't even know if he'll play it all next year. Right, he's my wide receiver eight at the moment. Like, would I just take a shot over Col- uh, with Coleman over him? I, that's going to be the discussion. I probably would. Yeah. Going on in my mind. I think I probably would, too. Jalen Hale is a guy that I actually might be bumping down a few spots, depending on how spring ends up shaking out for them. I, I want to hear some news. But, I mean, that's just such a crowded wide receiver room. Not to get into a, a totally different discussion. Right. But, uh, yeah. No, I, I agree with you there. I think that I am going to value the production that we've seen out of Coleman a little bit higher. Uh, And again, just the fact that he's going to Louisville there, I think that he will have a safe CFF floor, presuming that he presuming that the positive there's positive news in spring that he is, you know, running with the first team uh, that I think that I will value him a good bit more than some of these incoming freshmen. Now, obviously, I don't think he ever I don't think he has a ceiling. I don't think he will get to the ceiling that a guy like. Makai Lemon and Jonte Cook and Zachariah Branch and Jurion Dickey. Um, I would, man, Hakeem Williams is probably where we start to, you start to get a little bit dicey for me because Hakeem Williams has such a huge potential and he could also flame out and be nothing. Yeah. Hakeem Williams headed to Florida State. Yes. So I think that's probably right about where the line is going to be for me. So we're probably right around that like wide receiver, like six ish. Oh, I have hiking Williams wide receiver 14. So I think okay. we're already starting off on, on different spots there. Yeah. But, well, I don't have nearly as many wide receivers ranked as you do. So come on, Colin, get to it. Um, uh, one other thing just of note real quick on Coleman. This is not to disparage the swack which is the conference he played in last yeah. year, because I know there are tons of historic things that go into why the SWAC doesn't participate in the FCS national championship. Like they, they have a, the, the playoff, the SWAC does not participate mm-hmm. in that. The SWAC is, is basically a, a bunch of uh, historically black colleges and universities. They have their own separate thing. And then they have a championship amongst the two best teams uh, in there at the end of the year. The SWAC is not good by FCS standards, generally speaking. An occasional NFL guy uh, comes out of there, but the level of play generally is is pretty poor. Like if those teams were to enter the FCS playoff, they would probably not do well at all because they don't generally do well in non-conference games against some of the upper tier teams. So like I, I do just caution anybody who just looks at the stats from last year and says, wow, like he put up 500 yards as a true freshman. Like that's, that's pretty good. It is 
a very low level of competition. And for the most part, because of Dion being there, they were much more talented than all the opposition. Like the fact that they actually didn't end up winning the celebration bowl is borderline embarrassing. So I think it's just something to consider as well. They're not saying that you should toss it out or that you should overvalue it probably somewhere in between, but I'm just mentioning that here because I think it's worth mentioning for anybody that's going to go and look at what he did last season. Yeah. Another school. I'll go ahead. I was just going to say, no, I, I agree with you there. But I just the last note I was going to mention on Louisville there was just about the quarterback, Jack Plummer. I think you can pencil him in assuming health. Cause that was kind of his big issue at, at uh, Purdue. You know, he kind of got banged up off and on him and O'Connell, just Aiden O'Connell, the other quarterback for Purdue just seemed to trade injuries on and off. But I think you can, pencil Jack Plummer in as like a solid, you know, probably high end QB two for, for CFF purposes, you know, like a, a just sheer volume, I think is going to lead him to be pretty productive. He's a guy that I will end up wanting on my rosters. And like you said, he's probably available in your leagues uh, on waivers, depending on your waiver wire rules uh, and how deep the league is just because you he put up solid numbers at Cal, like some starting, you know, like there was, there would have been some weeks you'd have been okay starting him, but more often than not, you wouldn't have been. Um, so he's probably available in the waiver wire. So he's a guy that I would target in supplemental drafts there. Um, that was really just the last note I wanted to add on, on Louisville there. If yeah. You have prob- anything else. Probably a late guy if I'm, if I'm looking at it, but not, um, not a priority. Let's put it that way. If I, if I had to. Yeah. I'm probably looking at him like the sixth. Oh, that's way too early. That's way too early, I think. I mean, I think he's a, like I said, I think he's like a, a high, mid to high end QB two. So I think you're getting only one year out of him, right? I thought he had two left, but maybe he only has one. I don't know. That that feels high to me. I would have to think about it because he's not really much of a rushing threat. Um, no, does, but I neither was o- quite neither was O'Connell and neither of and most of Brahms quarterbacks, but it's just sheer volume. Yeah, I, I'm thinking more like 11th round. I think I would be stashing up to that point. Too many unknowns. Too many unknowns for me to pick any earlier than that. Plumber's old school Cal. Um, a lot of question marks here, but I, they, they've they've beefed up the backfield. So if you had any questions as to what Cal is going to do next year, they are going to establish that run. They bring back Jaden Ott, true freshman last year who had over a thousand all-purpose yards um, in his first campaign there in college. He had a very good year. They went out and added Byron Cardwell, a player that we really liked from Oregon, a guy with bell cow size, with bell cow skill set, um, who weirdly didn't play that much last year. Um, but uh, overall, I think a pretty darn good player. Uh, 61 carries last season for 417 yards and four touchdowns. They also had uh, added uh, today Justin Williams Thomas. You might know him as Justin Williams, uh, a highly rated running back in last year's class that went to Tennessee. Uh, and we all thought he was going to go to Stanford and then uh, magically ended up at Cal. So, I mean, th- this, I think, eliminates Jaden Ott as a guy that I'm seriously looking at for CFF purposes. Um very, very crowded backfield overall. I, I, I think that th- what this tells me is that Ott is not the guy, or at least like not, you know, bell cow guy. Yeah, which kind of surprises me given the freshman year that he had. Like he was probably what he was probably our biggest miss as a 
uh, a company last year, not including him in the freshman guide, and, you know, and other services had him like fringe top 25. Like I think he was the big separator between us and on three, right? Like he was really, had we had Basically, him in our top 25, yeah. we would have finished better than, than on three did. Yeah. Um, so he was very productive. Uh, and it's interesting to see them bring in not one, but two running backs for competition there. Um, you know, and Byron Cardwell, his his freshman season was really good. 417 yards, four touchdowns as a freshman. But last year, for whatever reason, like you said, just did absolutely nothing. And he was a guy that a lot of people were pretty high on in Debbie circles. So it's not like they're just bringing in bodies in this backfield. Like Byron Cardwell was once thought of as somebody who was good, you know. And I don't know exactly what happened last year. He was hurt at times. So I'll be interested to see if he can rebound at Cal. But I think he is still at least like a he's still a pretty good running back. And then Justin Williams, Thomas is a guy that a lot of people liked last year as a freshman four-star kid going to Tennessee. He's big, he's fast, you know, he's like a rocked up guy. There were a lot of like pictures in spring of him just being like cut and that got everybody hyped, you know, how that, how that kind of goes. Um, but you're, you're muted. Yeah. I don't think he was cut. <laughs> <laughs> like cut to me is like lean. Like this dude was like built. Okay, like, built. Not, not to dissect what word we should use for what your muscles look like on the show. There's probably other podcasts <laughs> that do that a lot better than we do. Um, but yeah, I mean the dude is just rocked up, man. Yeah, the dude's jacked. But like another guy though, but you know, highly thought of coming into last year, didn't really do anything. Um but that doesn't change the fact that he still at least has some pedigree. So again, these aren't nobodies that Cal is bringing in to compete with Ott, which I find really interesting. And that worries me about Ott's future. Yeah, I, I, um, if I, I'm probably trying to sell Ott if I can, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe you just have to hold at this point because everybody, uh, will be wise to this. I, I don't really know. I mean, maybe there's potential for them to run the ball. You know, maybe they run the ball 40 times a game next year. They all get, uh, you know, 12 to 15 touches, kind of depending on the the opponent. Maybe it ends up working out for them. Um, I think Ott had some red flags. He's not – he was a big-time dropper in the recruiting rankings over his final two years in school. He he never really hit the heights that they thought he would, and he's kind of leanly built for his for the position, which I think was one of kind of our big problems with him, like not super physical – and it doesn't really have that that really low center of gravity. Not sure how he would do. Not to just like play do a stupid cliche, but like picking up those tough yards and doing the dirty work <laughs> in the trenches. Like, I think there was genuine concern from us about that. And I don't know that he really answered that, but I think he certainly showed that he's very much the kind of back that once you get him into space, he can thrive. Um, so Cardwell and Williams Thomas, I think profile a little more as the kind of backs that can do those things so maybe odds rule slightly changes where you know they're they they use him in the receiving game a little more they aren't just trying to grind him 20 times a game we'll see how that ends up playing out it'll be interesting we don't know for the record who they're like what their quarterback situation is necessarily going to be next year could it be kai milliner could it be somebody else uh kai milliner was a guy that we like kind of like two years ago was a four-star kid that went in there and hasn't hasn't played and quite frankly when he has didn't look anything special um and they lost their best wide receiver too and i think we can we, let's just talk about him here now colin we had him in the other column uh j michael sturdivant hasn't found a new home yet 
um, a four-star from uh, two two years ago, so he'll be entering his third year, his true junior season. Didn't really do much there as a true freshman, but he's this big, like 6'3", 200-pound, uber-athletic guy. Last year, 65 catches, 755 yards, seven touchdowns, led the team in a bunch of categories. He's out of there. Uh, no home yet. He's from Texas. I don't know. There, it seems like maybe uh, UCLA is being rumored. Tennessee's being rumored. Uh, nowhere. TCU is another one. Yeah, nowhere like solid yet. Like, and it's not like yeah. you can start hearing some of these chatter, you know, like a, a week or two usually before it happens. That hasn't happened with him yet. So I'll be interested to see uh, where he ends up. But this is a Cal team that's definitely in transition. I mean, who are they throwing to? Is it, is it Maven Anderson? Is it somebody else? Uh, I mean, I, I think Jeremiah, Jeremiah Hunter Hunter's is leaving, still, yeah. right? I, I don't know. I haven't seen anything. I, I thought he was going to the NFL. He's another guy that produced decently for them next year. Like, I, I don't know what they're going to do. But I think this is a Cal team that will look very different next year, both from a, you know, a personnel standpoint and a scheme standpoint and what they want to do uh, standpoints, preparing for the new Pac-12. I think they will struggle next year, if I had to guess. But stranger things have happened. Yeah, I think they're going to struggle next year. I know you said that they're a team, you know, maybe they look to run the ball like 40 times a game or something like that. And game script might prevent them from doing that. That would be the only issue there. But, um, you know, they lose, like you said, J. Michael Sturdivant, who led them in a lot of categories. They may be losing Jeremiah Hunter. um, But Jaden Ott had 46 catches last year. So, like you said, maybe we see his role change and he – takes on more of that pass catching down role and they brought in Cardwell and Thomas to kind of compete as thumpers, you know, in which case maybe Ott will end up being a value later this offseason once people catch up to them bringing in Cardwell and Thomas. And, you know, you're hearing some news that maybe he's not running because I imagine they would leave their thumper as the guy that they run with the first team air quotes. So if you get some news that Ott's not air quote running with the first team, that could create like a buying opportunity if he's somebody that you're a fan of. Yeah, I think um, it, it, that's it. I actually didn't realize he had 46 catches. I thought he was in the 30s. I mean, 46 is a, a lot of a yeah. lot of catches for a, a college running back in a single season. Um, it doesn't happen a ton. Um, so, yeah, maybe that I mean, we just see more defined roles. I think mm-hmm. that would actually benefit odd in the long run. Uh, this is like got me all rethinking this. Like, I don't know that this helps his stock from like a. Uh, can he be a bell cow guy? Like maybe after freshman year, we know that he can. So maybe the best thing for him is to just get into more of that role. I mean, that doesn't help. Like if you can't do it in college, not going to do it in the NFL. Like this isn't right. raising his value, but it can not raise his value and still be the best thing for him. Right. If that makes sense that, you know, maybe, maybe this is his role. Maybe he can excel in this role. Um, and, and, and yeah, leave, leave the between the tackle stuff to Cardwell to, to to uh, Williams Thomas. Yeah. And then, you know, Another, like you said, it's a, we're opening up a lot of things. Maybe this defines some roles. Maybe this defines Maven Anderson's role, a guy you mentioned before, four-star guy. The guy that actually, you know, um, we both liked more than J. Michael Sturdivant. Like, I liked oh, Sturdivant. I thought, you liked, I, liked, I thought you liked Sturdivant more. I thought that was I a liked... W for you. Man, you could have. <laughs> I don't give you W very often, Colin. I, had I know you don't. There. I know you don't. Uh, I got I to gotta get my W's honestly. Um, no, I had them ranked very rated very closely. Like I liked Sturdivant, but I liked Maven Anderson a little bit more. Um, so he's a guy that, you know, maybe does get a little bit more of a defined role then coming out. And then J. Michael Sturdivant just showed us what he can do on a not great Cal team, 
Um, you know, not Jack Plummer is definitely not a world beater at quarterback either. So honestly, I think either of the the three rumored landing spots for him, UCLA, Tennessee, TCU, those are the ones that are, you know, again, it's very early in the process for him. So I don't think any of these are strong connections, but all three of those I think would be step up, stock up for him. You know, Tennessee could bring, um, you know, a lot of CFF value because they are losing their top wide receiver, their two top wide receivers. Um, they have Brew McCoy still there. They have some freshmen from last year, Squirrel White still there, but he very different role than Sturdivant, so you don't really have to worry about that. They have a couple of guys this year that could factor in in some capacity, but it's a little bit murkier of a situation. TCU, kind of similar. They have they brought in a couple bodies. Uh, they have some guys there, but they're losing their top option, so it's a little bit murkier. UCLA really needs a wide receiver, and I think that offense is going to look different than it did last year with Colin Schley at the helm now. Uh, formerly of Kent State, the quarterback who transferred in, uh, as opposed to DTR, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, the quarterback who had been there at UCLA for multiple years, more of a running guy. So I think they're going to need a wide receiver, and I would that would probably be my preferred landing spot for Sturdivant, honestly. I'll take him any of those places. I think he'd be pretty good. Uh, UCLA is probably my preferred spot, too. Selfishly, because I think... I think he this is I think he would perform better at Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Because I think he'd play Brew McCoy's role. Well he would play Cedric Tillman's role, which was occupied by Brew McCoy for most of the year because Cedric Tillman missed most of the year. I think he would play that role. But at the expense of guys like Nathan Leacock, Caleb Webb, that we really like their younger wide receivers at Tennessee that we're hoping can get some run next year. Brew McCoy, probably not keeping those guys off the field if they end up looking really really good or at least you know kind of uh, rotating with them uh Sturdivant would I think Sturdivant's just a much better player so um selfishly I think UCLA leaves the window open for all those guys and I think he can still perform admirably at UCLA um cross town from UCLA USC another team that's that's uh actually weirdly undergoing a decent facelift as well this offseason again um again yeah they, I think year one was about, you know, establishing Lincoln Riley's system, getting Caleb Williams in there. And they made a lot of Band-Aid moves. And they were the Band-Aid, not in like a, a derogatory, like they weren't good moves sense, but like Travis Dye, he's only coming in for one year, the running back from Oregon. Played very, very well, but now he's leaving. They brought in Jordan Addison for a year, but again, he'd won the Blitnikoff the year before. Like he wasn't going to be hanging out at, U- at USC for the next couple of years. This was definitely a band-aid to kind of try to get them through uh, uh, to the next year. So now that we've got a better idea of, of what's going on there, who they, who they are, what the uh, Riley has a better read on what the, the receiver and running back rooms look like. We're seeing some, some attrition, some movement. I think some of the bigger names there, CJ Williams is leaving was a four-star receiver in last year's classic guy that I think we we saw as kind of a coin flip guy. Like we said, you know, the opportunities here for him to break out, but he's not a star. So we'll see what happens. It didn't happen for him. Four catches, 34 yards. He's on his way out. Coming in, Dorian Singer, who actually led Arizona in receiving last year, um, 66 catches, uh, 1,105 yards, and six touchdowns. And then they bring in Marshawn Lloyd as well actually a really interesting one to me the running back from south carolina uh 
almost 600 yards rushing last year, had another 18 catches for 176 yards, uh, 11 total touchdowns. He kind of finally looked right from that ACL tear that he suffered as a true freshman. This will be his fourth year in college now. Um, I'm kind of excited for Lloyd there. I'm not going to lie. I, I like this landing spot for him. Yeah, I like this landing spot a lot for him. And this is this is a nice little, I don't want to say a win because we don't know how this is going to play out there for yeah. USC. Um, they brought in a couple running backs this year. Quentin Joyner is a four-star running back they're bringing in this year. Marion Peterson is a four-star they're bringing in this year. They brought in a four-star last year in Relic Brown. Um, they also brought in as a transfer last year, Austin Jones from Stanford. So they have a couple of other bodies in that room. So I don't want to call this a win and just automatically assume that Marshawn Lloyd jumps to the top of the depth chart there. But I do think he is overall the most talented running back on that roster right now. Uh, really Brown's a very talented player, but I think Marshawn Lloyd's the most talented running back on that roster right now. And if you're a truther of Marshawn Lloyd, if you stuck with it at USC East at South Carolina, um, this is a good feeling. You know, I, we had some pretty high hopes for him as a high four star guy in his class. He made some noise as a true freshman in camp and then had that ACL injury. And we've just been kind of hanging on and waiting since and waiting. And now we may, we, we got a little taste of it last year. He had a really, really nice four game stretch in the middle of the year and then kind of got banged up a little bit towards the end of the year. Um, but this is very optimistic here uh, uh, at USC West South Carolina U, uh, university of Southern California. And we got, like I said, we got a little taste of what he could do last year. I'm really anxious to see what he can do in this Lincoln Riley offense. Uh, yeah, I, I will be as well. I think, what do you think the odds are that Singer can lead them in receiving next year? Yeah, they lose, Singer they lose Addison. Hmm. Just They lose Addison. They have Mario Williams. They have Brendan Rice. They have Kyle Ford. They have Taj Washington. None of those guys are stars. They've all shown to be supplemental guys in the past. I, but I, I don't know that I would necessarily. Eh, Michael Jackson, too. Um, yeah, I mean, he, I think. He, he, do the thing. Oh, he, he, he. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think if you have to, you know, put betting odds on one player to lead them in receiving next year. I think you would put the odds on Singer the most, but it's not a he's not a heavy favorite by any means. I think Mario Williams, um, he has been there. He was there last year. He played well. He was at uh, Oklahoma with Riley and Caleb Williams as a true freshman. Uh, he played well there as a true freshman, got some time. So he has played well. I could see him taking that next step up and leading them in receiving. I could also see him just always being a really good complimentary wide receiver and never being like a, tr a, t a true th threat to lead a team in receiving. Like, I think that's kind of like an either way at this point, that's like a coin flip. So I don't feel great about saying that Williams could lead in receiving. I would probably give the edge to singer. And then like you talked about with Brendan rice looked good in their, 
bowl game against Tulane. He led the team in receiving there, but that was really the only thing he did all year. So, and that came without Addison, you know, that came at the very end of the season. So I don't really feel that great about him. The other guys are just kind of Jags. They're bringing in two high profile freshmen in Zachariah branch, a five-star and Makai lemon, uh, who I believe is also a five-star. Um, so he they're bringing is. in, yeah. yeah, they're bringing in two high five-star wide receivers here, but they are freshmen. So yeah, I think you got to give the edge to Singer, but there's enough variables there that I don't feel great about it. Yeah, I don't. Um... I think he's a candidate to sell. I think he's his name from this past year and going to USC. I think is going to get his stock a little overinflated. Yeah, fair. I, I think that's a fair uh, um, assumption as well. We'll see what ends up happening there. I. Um... I would have preferred him to stay in Arizona. That would have just made me so happy. We really like that Arizona offense. We like what they're building there. Uh, Ted McMillan, Jacob Cowing. Um, but maybe he wants to go try to be the guy somewhere else. Probably, probably pick the wrong spot to do that. But uh, uh, as always, we wish these guys the best of luck. Some other names here that I think are really interesting, Colin. And we'll talk about some more of these. This is not uh, by any means the the end of the, of the list of guys that we're interested in here. Uh, Chris Marshall, true freshman wide receiver at Texas A&M last year, was a borderline four or five-star guy, depending on which service that you were looking at. Um, really nice size, really nice athletic profile, a guy that recently picked up football. So it's uh, he, he's still learning and growing the position. He had 11 catches, 108 yards, um, got kicked off the team. Uh, for the rumor, I don't know if this is ever like confirmed by Jimbo or anybody at Texas A&M, but they, a couple of the, the players were uh, smoking marijuana in the visiting locker room at South Carolina. I think that was the they, game. And they were on the road uh, and, and got caught. Um, so I like to think of that as more of a, he sounds like a good kid. Like this was hopefully a one-time deal. It's not like the guys at Oklahoma a couple years ago that were like robbing a drug dealer. Like, yeah, two very different situations here. <laughs> Caden Salter <laughs> at Tennessee. Oh, Caden Salter who got in trouble twice in like two months. Like, yeah, um, just being um, stupid. Like, so I I like this at Ole Miss for him. I, yeah. I I like him going to Ole Miss. I think he's gonna be like they don't their boundary wide receivers aren't great. They, Mingo's leaving. They don't mm. really have anything else. So I no. he's a really interesting guy there to me. I could see him. I could see him leading that team and receiving next year. Yeah, I could see that too. Honestly, like you said, Min Jonathan Mingo, their their leading wide receiver from last year, is leaving. He's going to the Senior Bowl. They don't really have much else there. They haven't really recruited the wide receiver position very well the last at least two years, in my opinion. So I think getting a guy who was as highly thought of last year as Chris Marshall, that's great. Like that's a coup, I think, for them. Um, you know, like you said, he he did get dismissed from the team for uh, rumored to be for smoking marijuana in the visitors locker room, which I, there's some people who are like, oh, it's marijuana. Who cares? That's that's a good point. It is marijuana. Like, it doesn't really matter. But there's just, you know, doing it in the visiting locker room. Yeah, like, I, I don't even know wait if it's till illegal. You get on the bus. It's so like it's not I, a good decision. If I was a coach, I would. The and I think the problem with this is if this had happened game one of the year, I think it could have been forgiven. Mm -hmm. 
this came at a time of the year where Jimbo, yeah, like everyone was like fired Jimbo. They're wildly underperforming expectations this year. He's lost control of the program. They had some other disciplinary issues. So I think in addition to just being something stupid, it also had the unfortunate, you know, uh, addition of coming at the worst possible time that he could have done it. Right. So I think if you, if nothing else had happened this year and that just happened, he might still be on the roster. Right. But point is not a red flag. It's not, it was not a good decision. Um, and I can follow the logic to him being dismissed, although I don't agree with it. Yeah. I can loosely follow that logic, but it's not something that concerns me long term with him. Um, so the big concern with him is how raw he was as a receiver. You know, he looked pretty good this year, 11 catches for 108 yards. So he's not a year one zero because he hit that 100 yard threshold. So that's a positive indicator for his future. If he can continue that development at Ole Miss, which they won't need to rely on him because one, they're more of a run first team. You know, the Quinn, uh, Judkins, the running back there is going to be the, uh, presumably the focal point of that offense. They have a couple other guys on the roster that I think can help carry that load. Um, Jackson Dart is, I still think a solid college quarterback. I don't think he is going, I'm not ready to completely write him off yet, but he is not what we thought he was going to be. I still think he could take a, uh, he could develop a little bit this year and rehab his image a little bit, but it's getting a little bit harder to see him as a potential first round quarterback, but that doesn't mean he's not still at least a solid collegiate quarterback, especially for fantasy purposes. He had some really nice fantasy performances this year. So, you know, the quarterback play for Chris Marshall is at least going to be steady. Uh, so there's a lot to like about Chris Marshall. It'll miss. I like that landing spot. Yeah, I, I really, really do too. Um, Carson Steele at UCLA was one, it was at RB six, RB five in CFF last year. It yeah. was top, top six or seven. Uh, regardless, he had over 1500 yards, uh, rushing 14 touchdowns and he caught almost 30 passes too. Now he wasn't particularly productive on those passes from like a yardage touchdown standpoint, uh, only had 166 yards and a touchdown on 29 catches. So like, is he a receiving back? No. Can he do it? If you ask him to. Yeah, probably UCLA trying to replace Zach Charbonnet from a production standpoint. I think he's going to get tossed in the mix right away. Mm-hmm. We were trying to predict who the next guy here was going to be. We thought it could be um, uh, what came in as Tamori, and I believe now he's TJ. going as TJ Parker. Harden. Uh, uh, Harden, sorry. Mm-hmm. Tamori and Parker's a, a, a edge guy in this upcoming yeah. class. Um, <laughs> um, too many names here. But I mean, so I, I think Steel gets first crack at this. I think this will be a really good spot for him. Charbonnet was a top seven or eight running back in terms, at least in terms of points per game last year. Um, so this is a, a really, really good spot for steel. I think if you have steel, you're excited because not only do you probably get a lateral move for CFF purposes, but if he does it again at UCLA, he probably gets a lot more NFL looks than if he did it again at ball state, which right. is not really known for producing NFL talent. Right. I think this landing spot is a little bit of a double edged sword. And I think him going to UCLA into that vacant backfield, a backfield that has had Zach Charbonnet produce at a high level this past year. They've had some really nice producers um, throughout the years there for Chip Kelly. I think that bodes really well for him. I think that that means he is going to be a safe uh, option for fantasy. 
but I'm also not really ready to pencil him in as this top five lock that he was at Ball State because this is a step up for him. I think he is. I think he's the best running back on that roster. But is he good enough to not let this be kind of like a committee? Like we had seen a bit of a committee before with Britton Brown before with um, Britain, uh, year one of Zach Charbonnet was Britton Brown and Zach Charbonnet kind of splitting a little bit. Um, and Charbonnet ultimately proved to be the cream that rose to the top. Can Carson Steele do that? Yes, absolutely. But I'm not ready to definitively pencil him into top five. I, you know, I think that there's still enough of a worry there that I'm not buying Carson Steele because I think his value could be a little bit overinflated. Like you're going to be have to be buying him at his ceiling essentially. Um, but if I have him already, I'm happy. He's just not a buy candidate for me. Yeah, I think um, I think that's fair. Uh, but I think you know we were all worried that he'd go somewhere bad. Yes. The only, like we, Kentucky was another spot that we we thought he could maybe go. I think he's from uh, down that direction. Um, so uh, you know that could have been a lot worse. Uh, and then Devontae Walker is the last one here, Colin, real quick. And he was a one of the leading receivers at Kent State last year. Like, legitimately, way too good of an athlete to be at Kent State. He, yeah, I mean, he looked like one of the better wide receivers that Georgia played this year. It gave them a ton of problems. Ended up have, finishing just short of a thousand yards on the season. Had eleven touchdowns. It's like six three two hundred. Uh, really, just a, a great athlete. Like I don't have measurable numbers for him. He wasn't a very highly rated recruit coming out, but I would wager he's a sub four five guy. I would wager he's probably got a thirty five plus inch ver. Like he, he's a big dude that that's that's got good burst, good good straight line stuff. I think he can be a legitimate NFL guy. And at UNC, I think he steps in right there and can be the wide receiver one, or at worst, again like he was this year, a one B one A situation with. A guy that I still think is underrated there in Kobe Pesor. Um, but on, on the boundary there with Drake May, uh, a, a nice guy to be attached to. So I, I, I think this was a great spot for Walker as well. We worried that maybe he would go somewhere um, that wouldn't highlight him. But I think this is about as good of a spot as we could have asked for. Yeah, I think this is a fantastic spot for Walker. This is, like you said, as good of a spot as we could have possibly asked for. He's going to step in there. He's going to be the boundary guy in that offense for um, Drake May. I think he's going to fill that Antoine Green role, which saw some huge games. Now he also deal, dealt with an injury. So, you know, he was very up and down. But I think Walker is going to play that green role. And I think he's going to play it better than Green did. I think he's he is the safest option as a wide receiver one for UNC. I know you mentioned Kobe Paysauer, who I think is going a little bit under underrated right now. He's a guy that I like. I think he was the next logical step up for the downs replacement. But Phil Longo goes out, so that offense probably the offensive coordinator um, from UNC is leaving, taking a lateral role. The offensive coordinator at Wisconsin, um, so I think that could tweak the offense a little bit. And UNC also brings in Nate McCollum, a wide receiver from Georgia Tech, who I think will probably compete with uh, Paysauer. So I don't feel great about naming either of those two. And you know, maybe maybe they can shift Nate McCollum to the outside and have pace hour operate the slot and have both of them on the field at the same time. But I don't know that. So I'm a little bit more uncertain about that role. And those two, whereas Devontae Walker, I think is just going to clearly be the outside 
X in this offense, which is kind of a shame for Andre Green and for Andre Green truther, Andre Green Jr. and Andre Green Jr. truthers. Uh, Andre Green was a four-star wide receiver from last year's class who has a lot of potential as a receiver but was very raw. We were hoping maybe he could step in this year and be that outside guy. And I think with Devontae Walker in, uh, I don't feel good for that about that at all anymore. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't feel great about it, but I'm willing to uh, uh, hold out hope. Maybe he is the wide receiver three. You know, maybe he functions as the third guy there. New new offense coordinator. You know, new mm-hmm. slightly new offensive system. I'm sure. Um, so I'm not sure that I like. I'm agnostic on the system. I haven't really looked into it too much, but yeah, I, do, I just like yet. being attached to Drake May. Like, quite yes. frankly, I think that's worth um, quite a bit. It's not like it's not like a Brennan Armstrong situation, which mm-hmm. we didn't. We're not going to talk about Brennan Armstrong today. Um, but but you know, at Virginia a couple years ago, we passed for like four thousand yards. His offensive coordinator left, but Armstrong was really bad before that year, and then since then, like this year again, was terrible. Like was clearly the system that helped Armstrong out. Like, I don't think it's the same case for May. I think May is like, yeah. you know, a first round you know, top, top 10 pick at quarterback. So, so very different situations there. So I'm not too worried about uh, that leaving. I think uh, Walker can end up being the guy there. Let's talk real quick, Colin, about the all American bowl mm-hmm. uh, before we, we do our, uh, our two round rookie mock here. Um, wasn't really a good game. The, the East yeah. absolutely destroyed the West. Um, the West team. Didn't have the quarterback that the East, I mean, the East, the, the best player on the field on the day was Dante Moore, who's a five-star yes. quarterback. Yeah. We talked about him last episode as kind of starting the, the domino effect where he was supposed to, he was committed to Oregon for months and months and months. And then he flipped after their OC left. He, he's committed to UCLA. Now he signed to UCLA. He'll be there. Um, Moore was amazing through for, I believe, four touchdowns on the day. He looked really, really sharp. Yeah. Um, and he probably, I mean, realistically was basically the difference in this game, him versus not having him. Um, I was really impressed with him. Did you, did you watch this game, Colin? Or do you want me mm-hmm. to just, yeah, I watched, uh, I watched most of it. Um, okay. I did like, you know, probably fourth quarter. I don't think I watched at all because the game was out of hand at that point. And... Yeah. I turned it off about two or three minutes left in the third quarter. There was, there was not, not yeah. too much more to watch. Yeah, there really wasn't. And the good thing with a situation like this is it's not like, um, like the pro bowl or anything like that, where they have like one or the senior bowl where they have a guy like, okay, Dante Moore, you're going to play the whole first quarter and you're going to play the whole second quarter and you're going to play the whole third quarter and you're going to play the fourth. They kind of rotate them a little bit and sprinkle them in throughout and kind of, you know, like, cause guys like Lincoln Kineholtz and Austin Novosad and uh, you know, uh, Pierce Clarkson, all of those guys got in at various points throughout the game and then came back in at various points throughout the game. So, I felt like at that point I was like, okay, I've seen a little bit of each of these guys. So I felt like I could turn it off at that point, but yeah, Dante Moore looked fantastic. Best player there. I think. And I think um, I had really had him and Arch Manning kind of like back and forth for two and three and which one is my QB two, which one's my QB three. I think this performance actually solidified Dante Moore as my QB two. Oh, wow. Um, okay. I, you know, I, I think that seeing him do this at this bowl game against that competition, because there was some good, there was some good defensive competition out there. Yeah. Like there were some good players um, and he looked really good. So, you know, uh, I think that that was enough that I'm going to put him just one slight notch ahead of Arch Manning. It's very close. I think they actually have the exact same grade for me. I think I'm pretty sure they're tied. Um, 
So that'll give him just a slight edge up. So I I think before we talk too much about um, this game in particular, I think it's important to to recognize and to highlight that we shouldn't. And I, I'm not I'm not saying you're doing this, Colin, because I think I actually gonna, I'm going to bump him up uh, slightly as well after this game. You don't want to overreact to these right. games. I think for some of these guys, it's important because for a lot, you know, level of competition is is not uniform across the country, and obviously they're uh, a band across the south there, where where it's very very strong. Uh, Southern California is pretty darn good, um, and then, and then you've got you know pockets of PA, Ohio, um, and then you've got places that it's just the competition, quite frankly, isn't very good as well. So for some of these guys, I think this is the first time we get to see them against like equivalent speed and equivalent quite like physical talent and you get mm-hmm. to kind of start seeing like you know which of these guys looks like maybe they're out of place a deer in a headlight maybe it'll take them a little bit longer so i don't want to but like more as a guy he's played pretty good talent in in detroit and he plays on one of the best 77 teams in the country like we've seen him against but when like just when the lights come on this dude just balls like yeah. i don't know what it is like i think i think felix has been a little harsh again felix one of the founders here at campus to canton where he and, and I'm like, I, I think he's on like, I don't want to say that he's wrong, but I will. It's been a lot where he said, you know, like he probably fits in the Tua bucket as like a guy that if he does get to the NFL, which first off, if you take Tua in your in your C2C draft as an incoming freshman, that is a hit no matter what, yeah. like for the record. But I think he can do a few more things outside of structure than Tua can do. And some of that might be due to Tua's hip. The fact that for whatever reason, he has the next strength of an infant and cannot keep his head <laughs> from hitting the ground when he falls. It's like, oh, we need to get that dude a life alert. That's totally beside the point. Um, <laughs> like, I think he's a little more dynamic than we want to give him credit for. Maybe mm-hmm. like he, he can run around and do something. He's not a rusher. Like maybe he's Joe Burrow from like, a, you know, the true difference maker quarterback is, is Burrow. Like, you know, from an arm rushing perspective, like, no, maybe not. But he's very much like elevated game manager, if that may, like elevated pub food. Like this burger comes deconstructed <laughs> on a stick over top of a flame. Like maybe the, Joe Burrow is that, and maybe that's what this guy is too. He's kind of the elevated game manager, and I, 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 I could see that in his range of outcomes. And I, I, I think he's going to be really good at UCLA. I, yeah. I'm totally all in on it. I'm probably going to be pushing pretty hard to get either him or Malachi Nelson in drafts this year. Yeah, I think I would agree with that. Um, like you said, my only real concern with Dante Moore, at least from a C2C league stems a little bit more from like college production. He's not the typical quarterback that Chip Kelly has and has had in the past. So this, it's going to require a little bit of a different offense out of Chip Kelly. Um, so he'll have to tweak that a little bit to more strengths can he do that effectively at least early in his career? I don't know. But like you said, the dude's a baller when the lights come on. It's a cliche, but when the lights come on, this dude just clicks. You know, he just he just looks the part. So yeah. Uh like you said, you don't want to overreact too much to these games, but I think Dante Moore's performance is one that you can be like, okay, this is confirming what we're seeing, and I feel really good about this. Yeah, I, I think he looked really, really good in this game. Uh, a couple other guys that I thought had really good performances, Colin, you let me know if you agree or not. Brandon Innes, 
Yeah. I don't believe he's a five star. He might be depending on the service. He's close, whatever mm -hmm. for all intents and purposes. We'll call him a five star here. I have bumped him up to the R a five star equivalent here at C2C mm -hmm. in my rankings. Uh, he had been very, very close for me. Like, so it, it's not like a rough, you know, it's not an exact match, but we, when we rank, we talked about this a little bit last week. If you want to go back and listen to last week's episode, all we talked about was early signing day and some of kind of our broad process here. And we talked about, we rank guys from, you know, zero to, to 1.000. And it's really, really hard to get above like a 0.85. Like that's a really good score for us. Just I don't have anybody we, at that high. How we how we grade and rank out, and then I said basically anything above a point eight for us is like a five star equivalent. For yeah. us. there's not that many guys we have above that. A handful, maybe maybe seven or eight at the most. I don't even think it's that many. Innis to me is above an eight now. Like he was a point seven like nine five or something like that, and I bumped him up above an eight. Um, he he's just shifty, man. Like he can get open. He you know, the touchdown he scored at the beginning of the game was like a. I don't, it was a fade, but there was no contested catch because he burnt the corner so bad at the line of scrimmage that he was just wide open running to the corner of the end zone. He's got pretty good size. He's, he's like 5'11", 6 feet tall. Like he's got, he got really good weight. I think he's kind of what we want Luther Burden to like be if he was in a, an offense that we felt better about. Like Interesting. Probably a slot guy, but I think has, has outside versatility. I think can work all three levels of the field. I think you could give him handoffs like they do with Burden or like Ohio State does with like Mecca Buka. Like I think that's the bucket of player that he's in. I think he can be really good. I think he can play a little bit first year at Ohio State. Like it wouldn't shock me. I think their starting lineup as of tomorrow, if they had a lineup, would be Fleming, Harrison Jr. on the outside, like Buka in the slot. But I think they he will make enough noise there that he will get on the field. And that if that means they rotate out Fleming and they put Agbuka on the boundary and they put him in the slot or they rotate him with Agbuka sometimes and give Agbuka a break. Like I, I think he gets snaps next year. Yeah, I agree with that. I think he will too. He looked good, very good in this game, you know, and, and he is the, the highest rated wide receiver that I have going to Ohio state uh, as well. So I definitely think there's a chance that he can get on the field there. I, I, I like the putting him in the same bucket as Agbuka. Cause like that was the role that I kind of saw him playing mildly concerning just because like Buka was had a really really nice year this year looked pretty entrenched and, and established there but like you said I think both like Buka and Innis while they are better in the slot can operate on the outside so you could put one of these guys on the outside and rotate Fleming out um Fleming's not a guy that you and I are a huge fan of but credit for he him can't, stick he can't stay healthy anyway like yeah. the odds are he misses at least four games next year so yeah yeah, that's true. And then, you know, that's going to open up some opportunity as well. So, yeah, I think Innis definitely had a nice performance here in this one as well. I struggled to find a box score for this game. So um, I'm sure somebody's listening to this and knows knows the exact numbers, and that's fine. Um, but in terms of West quarterbacks, the only one that looked good was Lincoln Kineholz, mm -hmm. which was funny enough. He must have listened to our last podcast. We were talking about him. We loved Lincoln Kineholz, the town. He was mm -hmm. supposed to go to Washington. Ohio State was really looking to bring in a quarterback in this class, but as a guy that's like going to sit for at least a year and probably two and maybe, maybe three, never, yeah, <laughs> like might not be, it might not be that level. Um, and, and they they tried with a bunch of guys, and then Kyneholz ended up being the guy that ended up saying, "Yeah, I'll, I'll do that," and going there. 
So we were lamenting like, man, he could have been a Kalen DeBoer's offense, the head coach there at Washington. Like we saw what he did with Michael Penix last year. We saw what he did with Jake uh, Hayner at Fresno. We saw that he did with Michael Penix before he went to Fred. Like he's just made average at best quarterbacks look a lot better than average. And we said, man, if Kineholz could sit for a year there, there's a very clear path. And then he went to Ohio State. Now the path is a lot less clear. And we like we talked about, we never want to count these guys out. You know, Mac Jones just started a bunch of a season for Ohio State, and Stetson Bennett's about to win a second natty with Georgia. So I mean, these these lower rated guys can get on the field, but it's it's tough for them at these programs that are just going to recruit another guy. And Kineholz went out and looked like the second best quarterback in this game. He played really really well. Now I, I don't want to give him too much credit because I thought he there were some pockets that he bailed on that he shouldn't yeah. have. But he also showed a lot of really good escapability. There were two plays in particular that basically were the same exact play where he the uh, pocket collapsed directly in his face. Uh, he rolled like backward and to his left and rolled out left. And he's a right handed guy. So, you know, he's rolling opposite direction of what his dominant hand is squared his shoulders and then got a pass off downfield. And one, he missed his guy in the end zone. He overthrew him in the back of the end zone. The second one quite frankly, was kind of an arm punt, but the guy caught it. So like, you got to give him credit for working outside of structure and making something happen and scoring a touchdown on a day where the West was not particularly successful. He looks very poised. Mm -hmm. I'm, I questioned the arm strength a little bit, quite frankly, it didn't look like he had an, an a plus arm, even really an a, like it looked like maybe a B arm at best, which is okay, but it wasn't great. So he's going to have to learn some limitations to come along with that. Cause he was trying, you know, some of these downhill field things maybe weren't very smart. Um, but I thought he looked he he played pretty well on the day overall. He looked better than like Pierce Clarkson and some of the other guys that they rolled out there. Yeah, I agree. I, I think he looked like the best quarterback for the West by a good amount, um, and that includes Austin Novosad, who's a guy that I like. Um, I, I like Austin Novosad a little bit more than Kineholtz, just raw player to raw player. It's not a huge difference, but uh, but Lincoln Kineholtz looked better in this one. You know, and and that one play where you're talking about where he um, you know flushed out of the pocket, spun. Uh, and flushed out to his left and then set his feet through to the end zone. I actually liked that throw because he did miss his receiver, but he missed him high. He like made sure it was only where that receiver was going to get it. He didn't arm like the second one, like you said, was like an arm punt. That one, not that great. Even though that one got completed where the one to the end zone, like that was like his receiver or nobody. So it was a little bit safer actually. So I, I liked that. I liked seeing that. Like you said, he did look pretty poised. Um, I doesn't this performance doesn't really change my opinion of him as an as a quarterback at Ohio State. I still think he will ultimately get recruited over. But man, it just makes me really, really wish he was going to Washington. Like that would have just been such a great spot for him. I think he would fit so well on that offense. So that was definitely upsetting. But he had a good performance at least. He did. Um, and that's part of the reason why he dropped for me. I believe he was a borderline, like our equivalent again, very rough equivalent. I wouldn't necessarily take this as gospel, but like a borderline four star guy for me. He slipped down to a three star because we do slightly factor in landing spot and like the staff's ability to develop and the depth chart and if they're likely to get playing time. There's only one quarterback at any yeah. given time. So makes it more difficult for that particular position. The other guy that impressed me, Colin, and maybe he didn't impress you, but Jalen Brown was a guy that I dogged after his <laughs> junior year. I really didn't get this guy at all. And Going I don't want to, to uh, LSU. Yeah, high four-star kid. I don't want to overreact now. I, 
a day or two before this game, I went back and re and, and watched his senior stuff because I think it's important. I tried to get junior season in, watched it, and then revisit after senior, watch senior. A lot of these guys, like quite frankly, they're like 16, 17, 18 years old. Like, yeah, they're going to get better from year to year yeah. to year. So I think it's a really good sign if you can see the development between junior and senior year. Like, quite frankly, I think that's that's a plus for me when I'm watching some of these guys. And Jalen Brown, I thought, looked light years better as a senior than he did a junior. A lot He moved so much more smoothly, almost as like a glider of an athlete, which as Colin knows, and anybody that's listened to the show for any length of time knows, I am a sucker for a wide receiver that is a glider. I am not so much into the start-stop guys. Um, just love his movement skills. He's got, he's over, he's six feet plus he's 185 plus. I think visually looking at him, good frame can win at the catch point. Good separator. I, 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 so I, he was like my wide receiver, like 48 or something. He bumped up to like my wide receiver 32 before this game. And then he went out in this game and he caught a touchdown that he did this like perfect separation, just an in-breaking route. Um, and scored like he he and so i bumped him up again like now he's like my wide receiver like 20 like i he's a guy that's really shot up for me i liked seeing him in this setting i don't think he had the best quarterback play in high school at least his junior year um and he's a guy that i like i don't i don't feel good about predicting him to break out this year at lsu because that depth chart is just so full but he's a good player he's a good player i i i've been more and more impressed with him over the past couple weeks he's probably the biggest riser for me that I was able to watch junior year without just being able to turn on senior after like, you know what I mean? Like I, I evaluated on junior, I gave him a grade and then was able to go back eight months later and give him a senior grade. And he's just shot way up for me. Interesting. Uh, I mean, he didn't really stand out in this game. Like I thought he looked good. He did have that catch, a touchdown catch that you said, but he didn't, I don't think he stood out in the same way that more innocent kind holds did, but I think it's an inclu worthy inclusion on this list, and I get a much later start in the process than you do, so I didn't have I didn't have him tanked or anything like that. Um, you know, I I only have about like between 15, 20 wide receivers graded, so you know, take this with a grain of salt. He's probably like around fifteen for me. I don't have him pulled up right now, but um, that could change as I watch more wide receivers here. But I, uh, you know, so he didn't start quite as low for me. He also didn't really rise in this one for me either. It was just nice. It was a nice performance. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, two rough outings I wanted to highlight, uh, and they're both quarterbacks that played on the West team. I thought Pierce Clarkson was poor. He threw a mm -hmm. really bad interception. Just generally, the rush was a little overwhelming for him. And again, I think the East team was just so much better this year. I think a lot of the better West players played in the uh, Under Armour game including yeah. like Malachi Nelson, Zachariah Branch, some of these guys. Like, so they, it, it was a little, it was a little more slim pickings. Um, but Clarkson did not look good and neither did Austin Novosad, quite frankly. I thought Austin Novosad is a guy that we talked about him last episode. I said, I'm a little lower. If you look at the group and you can go in and separate all of our grades out and see who's grading what I'm a little lower on him. I think he looks more game manager ish to me. I don't see a lot of huge upside here from him. Um, and I thought he struggled this game a little bit. Um, struggled to really get into the game. I think he struggled a little bit with accuracy, and I think that's that's probably too broad of a term. But like, I, I think he was missing some guys that he probably wants some throws back. 
played for a high level high school in Texas. So like the level of play shouldn't have been super surprising to him. So I don't know exactly what was going on there. I, I'm not going to, I, I'm not adjusting his grade at all based on the game. I am, I am bumping Clarkson down a little bit. Um, but I think it was a little concerning. And I think he's a guy that like Oregon fans are excited. They at least patched the hole that was left by Dante Moore leaving. I'm not so sure that they patched the hole with Nova sad, at least not for a couple of years. Like he is Tyler Shuck ish. I think. Okay. Okay. But Shuck um, had some people mocking him in like a first or second round. Yeah. Draft, like after, so like, like I, like it's not like an insult. I just think like that. See, I, I don't know that there's a lot of upside there. Okay. Um, I, I still like him at Oregon. I agree with you. I, I don't, I think he looked rough. Definitely some throws that he wants back. Um, definitely some wide receivers that he missed. I still like him at Oregon. Obviously there's the worry that they over, that they recruit over him at some point, just because Oregon seems to really be spending an NIL. They seem to really be focused in recruiting pretty heavily. They thought they had Dante Moore, a five-star. So, and they, they lost out on him. So I could see them wanting to go after another five-star. Um, but the good news for Nova Sad is Nick's is gone after this year. And then it's him and Ty Thompson. And and I know Ty Thompson has been one of my guys for a little while here, but I'm, you know, I, I just I don't think it's gonna happen for Ty Thompson. I, he should have transferred this past year after he lost the job to Nick's. He didn't. He still has not entered the portal, even though Nick's is coming back. So I think it's just not gonna happen for him. Um, so, you know, Novus had definitely going to sit for a year, which is going to insulate his value a little bit. Uh, like I said, the concern is like, you know, maybe they're over recruiting over him, but I'm not ready to write off Novus ad. I'm not knocking him down for this performance, even though, like you said, it was not particularly good. And the same with Clarkson. I'm not really knocking Clarkson down either. Um, because I think any knock down that you would do for Clarkson has to also, bump him back up now that Brom is there instead of Satterfield. Um, so Pierce Clarkson is going to sit for a year now behind uh, Jack Plummer, you know, because Malik Cunningham, the former quarterback there at Louisville is out of el eligibility. Um, so, you know, he, we didn't exactly know when he was going to play getting Jack Plummer in there in front ahead of him, assuming Jack Plummer's health. Uh, and allowing Clarkson to sit and then Clarkson steps into Brahms system, I think helps. I think that offsets anything that I would knock down for his, the way he looked in this game. Um, so here's my conundrum with Clarkson. I had him rated pretty highly. I have him, uh, well, prior to this game, I had him as my QB five because I really like Brahm and I, I like the landing spot. I thought Louisville was a spot where he goes sit for one year, do the classic sit, sit a year, learn, Hop right in. I don't. I just don't know how I can stomach putting him above some guys like Sam Levitt, who I really like going to Michigan State, mm -hmm. or Nico going to Tennessee, who I have him a couple spots yeah. ahead of. Like I, I again, I've been very skeptical on Nico's NFL future, but Josh Heupel, like I, I don't need to say anything else there. The the head coach at Tennessee, uh, and maybe even maybe even Aiden Childs, who also uh, was in this game and looked decent, uh, ha had some nice moments as well. Uh, Oregon State kid, so. Um, I, I just don't know. I, I don't know exactly what to do with him, but I know that he's pretty firmly. I think there's getting to be some more separation between my top four and yeah. everybody else. Malachi Nelson, Arch Manning, Dante Moore, and Jackson Arnold headed to Oklahoma. And uh, Arnold and Nelson were in the Under Armour game. So they they uh, they were they were not in this one. Right. 
Yeah, I think that's fair. All right, let's hop into this mock here, Colin. We're going to do two rounds. Uh, you were so generous to give me the first round pick in our 2023 mock earlier this week, so I'm going to return the favor and give you the 101 in this one. Don't say I never did nothing for you, kid. Who are you taking uh, 101? So we are... Superflex. Yeah. PPR. We, and then we always say tight end premium, but there shouldn't be a tight end that goes... Well, no. maybe one, but... Mm maybe i don't know i haven't decided either yet but no i i get that so i'm also operating on the under the assumption that these are separate teams this is not like my team versus your team and we're alternating picks like i'm operating on the assumption that the team at the one one is different than the team at the 103 because otherwise i would actually game theory this a little bit more but operating under everybody as a different team the one one i'm going to take my one one my top player in this class malachi nelson quarterback heading to USC. Uh, I think he is one of the best quarterbacks that I've evaluated coming out of high school. Uh, he's better than anybody in last year's class. Um, you know, he is, he's very good. Uh, and then going to USC as well, gives him a very safe floor, putting him with the Lincoln Riley. I also think he's going to have really nice college production. So just an all around really good pick here. I think Malachi Nelson can be my one, one. All right. Well, if you're going to go Malachi Nelson, then I am actually going to go Cedric Baxter here. That's who I would have game theoried at one. Um, if these were my team versus your team and that's it. Baxter is at Texas. He's going to be a running back there. I think he can contribute immediately. And he, uh, he looked good in the all American bowl. He was one of the top rated running backs in the class. He's my top running back by a very, large margin he's my only five-star running back uh in the class equivalent again um anybody above a point eight um and uh like he's he's i think they have him listed at 210 plus pounds already on the website yeah like he's on campus he's enrolling early so uh all those things i think factor in uh i'm gonna take cedric baxter here yeah i i like that pick there um he's pretty he's my one my rb1 with a bullet not not particularly close to the next running back there uh, which is why I would have game theoried it because there's a bigger separation between Cedric Baxter and the next closest running back than there is Malachi Nelson and uh, the player that I'm going to take at the 103 here, which is another quarterback. I just talked about it. Dante Moore just just eked out Arch after that performance here, so I'm going to take Dante Moore at the 103. All right, that's who I would have taken. So that's uh, that hurts a little bit. But that's why that's why I would have game theory did at the one, and because I think there's a bigger gap between Baxter and the next running back than there is between Nelson and Moore. Sure, fair enough. Uh, then I'm going to go ahead and take my top wide receiver here, and that's John Tickler. And I know I I don't think I'm even like contrarian per se because i think cook is a, a highly rated guy but i know a lot of people have zach branch their top wide receiver can't knock it he's a top three wide receiver for me uh quite frankly my top four are also closely ranked i think you could take them in any order and i think uh like i would tell you you know if you said i'm taking zach branch first it's like well oh, I, I would take jonte cook first but, but I don't blame branch you. is not a bad pick by a stretch of the imagination cook is headed to texas um he was at the the under armor game last week um He's like 5'11", 6 feet. He's 175 pounds. He's already on Texas's campus, another enrollee. I said a hot take this week in the Slack call, and I think he could lead Texas in receiving next year, depending on what happens with Xavier Worthy, who's rumored to leave because I don't know what his issue is. Um, 
That's the second off season in a row he's been yeah. rumored. And be. he already left one school. Like not a not not many people talk about that, but he was in Michigan and he left immediately. Um Cook is basically everything you want in a wide receiver. And that he's just not like six two. Like he is all those subtle things, like you could teach two two wide receiver prospects how to run routes in the exact same way. And they could run the route the exact same way in a game. But if one of them just kind of understands when the defender is leaning and to just hang on that extra split second longer and how to get, you know, a little more in the blind spot and how to, you know, just sell a fake a little harder. Like those are things that you can't really teach at the end of the day. They're just like innate. And I think cook has a lot of those kind of innate abilities. Like he kind of reminds me, like if I had to put him in a bucket of player, he's kind of in the Calvin Ridley-ish kind of player. Ridley, a first-round prospect coming out of Alabama a couple years ago, has had a very successful NFL career. I think that can be what John Tate Cook almost in that bucket. I think he's a really good player. I think he's going to play at Texas next year. I think he's going to I, – if, I, if Worthy comes back, I would put his line like – 25 to 30 catches for 400-ish yards and two to four touchdowns. And that's a very, very good freshman year. He's going to have good quarterback play. He's got a good offensive system there. He's got a head coach that's that's uh, a good offensive mind. A lot of things working in his favor. So I, I like him here early. I like that call there. Uh, I like Cook. And I, I like the uh, the Calvin Ridley kind of comparison there. I think that's pretty good. I hadn't, hadn't seen that one yet. Um, at the 105 here, uh, I'm just going to take the next quarterback because I don't have – I'm going to take Arch Manning here at the 105, my next quarterback. I think all three of these quarterbacks are good. I think all three of these quarterbacks are guys who could be first-round NFL draft picks. Um, I am going to take Manning here as well because I don't have – there's a little bit more of a gap between Manning and the next quarterback – um, I'm not as quite as high on the next guy, Jackson Arnold, uh, as, as a lot of people are. I just, he seems very Cade Klubnik to me in that Way to steal my comp. I, I know, I know. Um, you've said that before, but I like that. He seems very Cade Klubnik in that he just doesn't have the tools that I want to see. And he, he looks good and he's done it against good competition and he does it in these camp settings but when we get to the next level i don't know if he's going to be able to continue to play at that level um he just seems very game managery to me doesn't really have the strongest arm either and i may i moved klubnik up before last year after all of the hearing all these things from the camp circuits and, and all I'm hearing from other people as well. And I, I don't want to say it didn't work out, but he didn't look that great this year. He didn't really take over, even though DJ, you kind of struggled. Um, so it makes me think maybe he wasn't quite as ready as what we thought he might be. And I just, I'm not ready to do that with Arnold again this year. It's kind of adjusting my process from last year where I'm just going to hold firm uh, on where I'm at. So I have a little bit more of a gap between him. So I'm going to take Arch Manning here. Um, then I'll take Arnold. Um, I mostly agree with all the, the negative things you said, or not negative, but you know, 
grounded, glowing, more realist yeah, grounding. I like things, that. but I also like him going to Oklahoma, sitting a year learning. Um, and he's the last quarterback that I would feel comfortable with any sort of, and as much certainty as you could say that if for a high school quarterback that you think they can be an NFL quarterback, he's the last guy on the list that I look at. And I like, I could say I'm like, yeah, I could see him being an NFL quarterback at some point. I think he could, he could achieve that. Um, I think you'll have no shortage of weapons over the next few years either. So um, all this to say that, yeah, I, uh, I Arnold's the last quarterback here. And then I'm probably, probably not touching another one until maybe the third, fourth round, depending on what, how the rest of the drafts are shaking out as you'll see in a few minutes. That's fair. Um, I, I won't go that far, but uh, my next pick here is, I don't want to say pretty clear, um, but I have the same grade between Cook and this wide receiver I'm going to take here, Malachi Nelson or Mal, uh, Makai Lemon, uh, wide receiver going to USC. I have the same grade between those two. I don't really have anything good to split the difference between Cook and Lemon right now. But what I'm using is a little bit of what you said, and it just seems like he's a little bit better of an innate receiver, Cook is right now, than Lemon. Um, so that's why I have Cook just slightly ahead of Lemon, but they have the same grade. I like Makai Lemon a lot. Going to USC, he's going to have an opportunity there, and he already has a rapport with Malachi Nelson because they were high school teammates. Sure so, were. So that that also helps there. So uh, Malachi, give me Makai Lemon here, the 107. Um, then I'm going to go Zach Branch. Uh, his future teammate there, Zachariah Branch, very much. I know this is uh, beaten to death, but in the the Jalen Waddle, Tyreek uh, Hill type mold, uh, incredibly fast, incredibly shifty, incredibly good body control. He's got good hands. Uh, headed to USC, uh, I think that he will m- make a splash year one. I, I do that. I don't know that he'll be a starter, but I think we'll see a lot of him. USC. Did rotate wide receivers quite a bit this year, and uh, you know, granted, was that because none of them were great? I don't know, um, but uh, I think he'll do some good things there. Yeah, and, and worst case scenario, I think he's gonna beat the year one zero because of his special teams ability. Um, it's actually really funny; not a lot of guys just beat it on returnability, and the ones that do aren't, don't end up being very good. Mm-hmm but it definitely gives a boost to other guys that, you know, hit both. I, th- I think he'll hit both. So I think he could, I definitely think he could hit both 20 um, ish catches. It feels like around the range that he'll hit, or I'm being a little conservative. I'm not going to predict mm-hmm. a freshman wide receiver to have like 80 catches, 20 ish right. catches, 350 yards ish, one or two touchdowns. Probably. Yeah. That feels, that feels about right. But he always has the returnability to fall back on. Uh, the next guy I'm going to take here is my running back two with a bullet, uh, and that's Justice Haynes. Um, it's Baxter, it's Haynes, and then I have a decent drop off here, especially um, with Cameron Seldon for tenant athlete going to Tennessee being listed at on the depth chart as a wide receiver. You know, we he had been kind of listed as a wide receiver, but the running back coach was the guy that recruited Selden. So we didn't really know where to put him. Now that we know uh, this makes justice Haynes going to Alabama 
um, pretty clearly my RB2 by by a good margin here. And, you know, obviously don't love going to Alabama and a team where they seem to bring in two high four-star running backs every single year and have them compete and battle it out. Um, but I like Justice Haynes a good bit better than the other guy coming into this year, this year for Alabama. Um, one of the other guys they brought in last year, Emmanuel Henderson, was a five-star, already moved over to wide receiver. So things thin out a little bit. He still has Jamarian Miller in front of him. He still has Jace McClellan at this point, who is um, supposed to be coming back. We haven't really heard either way, but he hasn't declared yet, so I'm assuming he's coming back. So he has some bodies in there ahead of him, but I like Justice Haynes' talent, and I think he's ultimately going to earn time at Alabama because I think he is that level of a back. And he was um, good in this game this past weekend. Yes. He he, he looked pretty dynamic as well. So I'm going to take my RB2 here, Colin. Roderick Robinson. Oh, yeah. He's going to Georgia, a bigger back, somewhere between 220, 230, probably closer to 230 than 220, but he's somewhere in that spectrum. We talked about him last week, and this that was whoever posted it on Twitter. That was the the line they used. I called him, I called him him. I called him, <laughs> he's got that dog. Uh, all of those really stupid sayings. Um, he's really, really good. I, Georgia's not that deep of a backfield at the moment surprisingly they lose mcintosh um they probably lose uh well i don't know what's going to happen with edwards but yeah that's the question i don't know i know milton is coming back milton is definitely coming back milton has shown over three years that a he can't stay healthy and b that he's not talented enough that if you are really good that he's going to keep you from getting some sort of touches in this backfield he's just He's not a bad player, but he's not like, you know, some guy that's going to keep you off the field. George just rotates these guys anyway. And they have Andrew Paul who's coming off an ACL injury. We really loved him last year. We have no idea what he's going to be Yeah, uh, coming off the injury. Robinson, I, th- I think Robinson gets some touches this year. Not a ton. Oh, they have Branson Robinson too. Shit, I yeah. Branson Robinson. So I, I think he'll probably be behind Milton and Branson Robinson next year. But the third back, Branson got run this year as like the third mm-hmm. fourth back on the roster like the they blow out enough teams and they run the ball enough that he will get run he took his uh, i don't want to reiterate all this stuff because people probably listened to it last week but in the highest level of of california football robinson roderick robinson took his team to their first state championship ever with the banged up with the pulled hammy essentially and ran for like 300 yards a game like he's just really really freaking good he's supposed to go to ucla i would have liked that a lot more but georgia i think will develop him and he'll, he'll be good there and i i i he might you have to wait a year that's okay um he's my rb2 I, I really really like him fair enough um i'm gonna take so 111 here i'm gonna take my wide receiver for brandon innis ah. uh, <laughs> uh yeah i mean i just Again, the running backs here, I'm not a huge fan of in this class. After these top couple quarterbacks, I'm not a huge fan of these guys either uh, for NFL potentials. And that's kind of what I'm looking at in the first round here. I think Brandon Innes is the best wide receiver going to Ohio State this year. And we love Ohio State wide receivers because look at what Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave are doing in the NFL. You know, look at what JSN, I still think he's going to be a first round wide receiver um Marvin Harrison Jr. I think is going to be a first round wide receiver. Mecca Egbuka has a good chance to be a first round wide receiver. They just develop guys and high end talent every year. And I think Innes is just the next guy in that line. Um that really I I have I mean this is all my all my tier 1 guys are gone. My very top of tier 2 is all gone. Um well 
I have a tier one tight end. I'm not taking him here. Um, <laughs> I'll go Jurion Dickey. Okay. I'll take Dickey, who is actually not he's not my highest rated wide receiver left, but he's close to it, and I think this is about the range that he'll go. Borderline four or five-star guy. He was at the All-American game this week but didn't play because he's recovering from a – uh, minor knee injury that he suffered in the middle of the season. I believe it was MCL. Don't quote me on that. Um, Big-bodied guy, kind of A.J. Brownish, uh, pretty raw. I think he lacks top-tier athleticism, which is why I don't quite have him in the same class as, as the guys I have in front of him. Um, but I got to sit down and talk with him. Good kid. Um, uh, he likes fishing a lot, so good for him. Um, and I think at Oregon... I think he'll play a little bit this year. Yeah, I could see it, especially he with them my, losing Dante Thornton. He is my surprise year one zero candidate, though. Oh, surprise! Like totally out of nowhere, kind of guy that like no one really sees coming. Okay, they're just a little stingy with all the playing time they give to young wide receivers. There, it seems like. So we'll see uh, if they play in enough blowouts there uh, to okay. get him to get him some looks. But the, he's gone one twelve here. So let me recap the first round here for us, real quick, Colin. 101 was Malachi Nelson, quarterback headed to USC. 102, Cedric Baxter, running back, Texas. 103, Dante Moore, quarterback, UCLA. 104, Jonte Cook, wide receiver, Texas. 105, Arch Manning, quarterback, Texas. Man, tell me Texas <laughs> and USC didn't clean up this class. 106, Jackson Arnold, quarterback, Oklahoma. 107, wide receiver, uh, Makai Lemon, headed to USC. 108, Zachariah Branch, wide receiver, USC. 109, Justice Haynes, running back, Bama. 110, Roderick Robinson, running back, Georgia. 111, Brandon Ennis, wide receiver, Ohio State. 112, Jurion Dickey, wide receiver, Oregon. All right, Colin, let's let's nail this last round, and then let's get the people out of here and on with their day. Sounds good to me. Uh, next pick I'm going to take here. Uh, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to take Cameron Selden here. This is a little bit high, higher yeah. than I think you're going to see. I think it's a lot too high. It's higher than you're going to see most people take him here. But, man, this guy – and and he wasn't playing the best competition there in Virginia. But, man, this guy is big. He's athletic. Uh, he's six. He's about six foot six one, uh, about 210, 215 pounds. Big dude. He could play running back. He could play wide receiver. He's very, very fast. I, I don't have it pulled up here in front of me, but I believe we clocked him at, what, like 21, 22 miles an hour? It's over 22. Over He's 22. one of the fastest guys in the class, yeah. Yeah, one of the fastest guys in the class at that size. I mean, I would like to see him play running back because I think he's a little raw to play wide receiver. But going to Tennessee, man, I, I feel like he's going to put up some nice stats there at Tennessee. Uh, and then guys this big, this fast, if he can develop, for the, he has a high ceiling at the NFL level too. So this is an all-ceiling play here, um, but I like Cam Selden. I straight up don't know that he, that. that is that like wide receiver is he's capable of that he might I not i i don't mean that rudely i think they're making a big mistake i'm really hoping that this is a situation where he gets on campus he is an early enrollee um and he was at the bowl game actually and um they quickly figure that out because like that we talked about this last episode like they don't have a lot of hybrid positions on that roster like he needs to find a position the best one for him and play it because they're not going to use him like creatively like the mm -hmm. offense is is a fun offense and stuff but they're not gonna like do a bunch of weird it's stuff. not an uber creative offense no. yeah 
no from a, like a personnel standpoint no it's not um so, so this is early yeah it's early i i'm probably not going to actually have any cameron selden which i might regret and this might be one of those where i'm not taking him early in the offseason and then hopefully he starts playing some running back and then i start drafting him because you know i i have drafts pretty much you know starting in march the whole way through august so we'll see if that ends up being the evolution there um so next up for me here i'm going to go hmm, i'm gonna go carnell tate okay i go carnell tate wide receiver headed to uh ohio state he's the other guy there that i think will has a chance to play early but i also think there's a chance that he zeroes out again not a deep wide receiver room at the moment he's a borderline four five star guy uh, IMG Academy kid. I think he comps. I've seen the Rashad Bateman comp. I th- don't love that. I think he's more Jacory Brooks ish, who actually is also a former IMG guy. Big bodied, agile for the size, good hands, good at catch points. He's done some um, return work and been successful at it. Um, I like him. I like him a lot. The situation worries me a little bit, but obviously at Ohio State, if you can get past that first barrier, then you're doing all right. So if you can get past that first one, you got to feel really good about Carnell Tate. Um, So we'll see what happens with him. This is one of those like, I'm pushing draft here, and I like don't feel amazing about it, but if I'm looking at the other names that I'm considering in this range, I don't think any of them possess the upside or the landing spot upside that he does i definitely think that's fair um my next pick here is actually kind of similar in the similar vein Hmm. i in that i don't love this pick um i don't think so i'm gonna it's it's nico uh i'm gonna take nico here nico iamalieva here at the uh was this 203 uh, which I, I think this is honestly probably I can't say that anymore. Iamalieva? Yeah, I don't. I I could say it really really well, and then just I woke up one morning and I can't say it anymore. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, I think the two hundred three is probably the latest you will see him go. I I, I think a I, lot of drafts I are going to see him. Go for I think a lot honestly, of drafts. Honestly, honestly I think first. you could probably punch him in around where we started taking Roderick Robinson. I would take Ennis over him still, but mm-hmm. I like I I think Dicky. I think he'll go above Dicky in the majority of drafts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But so the the reason I'm taking him here, I think he's going to be a slam dunk in CFF. Uh, I don't see Tennessee recruiting a better quarterback. Uh, Joe Milton is probably going to start the year this year. But like I said in our Slack today, uh, Joe Milton could finish as like the QB five in CFF this year, or he could shit his pants twice and never see the field again. Um and then maybe Niku Emelieva gets steps out there. But either way, I think this is Joe Milton's last year of eligibility. Or it almost has to be. He's ancient at this point. So he, worst case scenario, Nico's a year two guy. And then he's going to be two year two, year three, high-end fantasy guy for CFF purposes. If the NFL doesn't like what they see, maybe he sticks around for a fourth year. And you get three high-end years of CFF production. If the NFL likes what they see because he does have the tools... You know, he's a toolsy guy. He's big. He's got a nice arm. Um, he looks like a baby giraffe when he runs, but he's like, he's mobile. Um, he's athletic. So there's enough tools there. There's enough CFF uh, potential that 
I don't love this pick. I don't love it from an NFL perspective, but I'm going to pull the trigger here. Um, yeah. So I, at this point, I'm running out of guys here that I like really, really like, um, let's go with Dontavious Braswell. Who's my RB four in the class. Um, it's been a while since I've watched him. So I'm probably just like not as hyped on him as like I should be. Cause I, I remember watching him the, the first time and thinking like, wow, this kid's really, really good. He has a lot of wiggle. He's over 200 pounds. Um, he does, he's, he's one of those guys that kind of has micro movements and they can make you like at the at the the contact point, all of a sudden they're like super small, and you like kind of shrug off of them. He's re- he's really really good at those things. He's a good athlete. Um, hasn't really had a lot of receiving work, so there are question marks about that. But I think he goes to South Carolina, um, which is where he's he's committed, assigned, uh, and I think he he probably starts uh, playing there uh, pretty early. Um, so I'll, I'll take Braswell here. This is probably a little earlier than he'll go in drafts. Uh, and realistically, would I take him here all the time? Like, I might take him here in one draft. We talked about this last time, too. And then in the next draft, I would take a different running back in this range just to kind of, you know, keep my range of options open. I'm not like that sold on him, but I think he's a good player. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I, I like um, I like Braswell more than, than the services seem to. But uh, my next guy here I'll take is Ruben Owens, running back going to Texas A&M. Um, he is my RB four. I don't love Ruben Owens game overall, but I think he's solid. I, I think he's pretty good. He's a five star in this class. He is going to a and M and a and M actually doesn't really have a great running back on the rest of the, on the roster now, like, uh, LJ Johnson transferred out. So, you know, we're, we're looking at, uh, what Le'Veon Moss is still there. Um, they have another guy that I'm forgetting that kind of split some touches this year with uh, Devin Achain, but Devin Achain's gone. So there's opportunity right away for Ruben Owens. And he's also the guy I'm not sure they're really going to recruit over him either. I mean, I think they'll bring in another guy, but I still think Owens is pretty talented. So I'm going to take Ruben Owens here. All right. So you're going Ruben Owens, who, by the way, is my RB7. He was okay in the game this weekend, but wasn't amazing. Again, we're not drawing sweeping conclusions about these guys based on one game, but uh, it kind of confirmed my priors that I'm not like in love with Ruben Owens. Um, uh, we're running out of picks here and I have so many guys here in this range that I think I could, uh, I could take and be happy with. I'll go with, so I'll go Shelton Sampson at my next pick. And this is a guy, I feel like I've taken him in a bunch of drafts here now. And I've been like staunchly, I don't even really like Shelton Sampson, but here's why I keep taking him in these mock drafts. Cause a, I think a lot of people in your league will take him here. He's a five-star kid. He's headed to LSU. He's Quentin Johnston ish from like a size athleticism perspective, at least like measurable athleticism. Um, he's never shown that on the field to me, like from watching him play. He has like these ridiculous testing numbers. I've never seen him play at that play speed, but at his size speed combo, I think people are going to fall in love with him. I think he has a chance to play early because LSU, their boundary isn't like really the strength of that team. Like they now all of a sudden have a bunch of these slot guys that they've got. They have neighbors on the the boundary as well. So we'll see exactly what the target and, and route run uh, a breakdown looks like. But I think he'll go in there. I think he can make a name for himself. Um, I have a couple guys uh, ranked higher than him. But I think you have to understand that these are like uh, lower four-star guys. So I don't have to probably take them earlier than Shelton Sampson in a draft. If I want both of them, I can take Sampson here in the next round. Take 
Tayshawn Lyons, take Keon Brown, some of these guys that I like a little more than him or, you know, similarly, but are lower rated. Yeah, I, I, I like that logic there. I'm actually following that similarly in this next pick here for me. I'm going to take Hakeem Williams here. Um, I don't have a huge gap between Williams and a couple of the other guys that you said, like Lyons and Brown. There's some other guys that I like that are still around. But I think people are going to see Hakeem Williams' size, speed, athleticism, and status because uh, he's a five-star, right? Or high, mm, high four. I think he's a four-star. Yeah. High four-star. Um, so high four-star guy. People are going to like that. Going to Florida State, that's a pretty much a wide-open depth chart. I mean, they have Johnny Johnson, but he's like six foot seven. Or Johnny Wilson. Um, he's like six foot seven. He's almost more of like a tight end. They don't really have a, great, a lot of great wide receivers. So he theoretically could get on the field early, but he's very raw. So I do worry about that. I, I don't necessarily know if he will get on the field early for Florida state, but he has the upside to be the best wide receiver in this class, I think. Um, so this is another kind of like an all upside pick here, but the floor could bottom out pretty quickly on Williams. Yeah. He's probably, he's like a once in a 10 year span athlete for sure. Yeah. So I think that's going to push him up other people's boards. So I think this is probably around the range where you'll see him go. Somebody might fall in love with him and take him at the ver- at the early second round. But uh, I'm going to take him here. I'm going to take Deuce Robinson. I know I just said I don't really like taking tight ends. But again, I think you'll see Deuce Robinson go in this range in your drafts. He is fairly new to football. He didn't even start playing until he was uh, 15 years old. Uh, he's actually potentially a very high-end baseball prospect as well. So I'm very, very concerned about investing early uh, draft capital into him. He wants to play baseball in college. Uh, in fact, a lot of these schools that he is looking at, like they looked at him as a baseball player before they went and looked at him as a football player. Like he's played baseball his whole life. He's very, very good at baseball. Not often you see a six-six guy do it, but Aaron Judge is doing it. That's the only tall baseball player I know. So maybe there's another tall baseball guy. I don't really know. <laughs> uh, baseball, like the really one sport that I just don't care about at all. Um, he's just, he like, he's, he's Kyle Pitts ish. Everyone wanted to talk about Jaleel Skinner next year. Jaleel Skinner is not in that category. He's not yeah. in that stratosphere, but Deuce Robinson really, really is. He's a really good receiver, man. Like Darren Waller, um, Kyle Pitts kind of guy. You just got to keep him playing football. And it does really, really scare me that he might not. But I think he's a good player and going, well, we don't even know where he's going to go yet. This is the other thing. Georgia rumors, USC rumors, Texas rumors. Those are the final three for him. I would really prefer not Georgia. I would prefer USC, but USC we'll see. USC would be the best. Um, but I, I, I think he's a good player. I think he'll go in this range again. So I, I, I'm going to take him here. That's fair. I, I think he's the tight end one. I think this is a good, and he has a high ceiling for fantasy. The baseball worries is, are legitimate, but I think this is a fine spot Lonnie, to take a stab on a guy that good. I am so scarred by Lonnie White two years ago. Lonnie White was a top wide receiver recruit who was going to Penn State, and his like his like I know he wasn't quite this level of athlete, but like the coaches were literally like, "This dude's Bo Jackson. He can play both at a Pro Bowl, like all all star level, if he wants to play both of them." And then. In like June, July, he was like, oh, now I'm going to go play baseball. And my freaking Pirates, I know I said I'm not a baseball guy. I go to a couple Pirates games a year because I live in Pittsburgh. My freaking Pirates took him. 
why they have to do the, I already have a, a hate relationship with the Pirates, <laughs> and they had to go and do that to me. So screw them, screw Lonnie White, screw Penn State, screw all these people that made me feel bad. Um, <laughs> so I'm I'm probably overly sensitive to this, but I don't want to invest a second round pick on a guy that is like 50 50 so whether he's gonna play yeah. baseball yeah that's fair don't, don't love that very fair um next guy i'm gonna take here uh jaden great house wide receiver going to notre dame uh he is the next wide receiver in a long line of wide receivers that was just dominant at the texas high school football level um you know i mean he's not wasn't quite as dominant as jsn but you know, similarly in that mold, just very dominant at a high level of football. I think that's going to translate well. Notre Dame has a very open depth chart. The passing game remains to be seen how good that's going to be, but I feel a lot better with Sam Hartman coming in now. Um, and I think they want to throw the ball more. So I think that's going to create a good opportunity for him. I like Great House a lot. So I'm happy with this one here. Yeah, I don't know what to do with Great House. I've dropped him out of my tier one. He's now, he's now a four-star. He's my top four-star, but he might even drop a little more. Like, he's good. I just – he's one of those players that I don't know if the athletic ability and the skill set match up with something that can succeed at a high level in college. And if it does, then I'm worried that this is kind of like in Keel Harry. I know in Keel Harry from like a statistical, like analytical yeah. perspective was great, but like there are skill set concerns there with a player that plays like that. And I think that's kind of the, the bucket of player that he falls into. So um, slight concerns with him um so i have two picks left and i'm going to just to choose two players that i think are fun that i like <laughs> that i wouldn't actually take here but i'm going to start tossing out some names or we're going to start tossing out some names early here in the process as the guys that maybe you should be paying attention to so the first one i'm going to do is kedrick riscano and yeah i talked about Ooh, him a little okay. bit on last week's episode he is my rb8 in the class it is right around that big rise or his senior year I had a really nice senior year uh, was between Michigan State and Ole Miss. Ended up choosing Ole Miss kind of at the the uh, the last minute. He's already on campus and he's listed at two ten on the website, guys. And I don't think Ole Miss is one of those schools that fudges the numbers too much on on size. He was listed at one ninety on twenty four seven for reference. So like this was a very exciting development for me when I saw this because I already liked him. He caught a ton of passes in high school, like a ton of passes, which is very very rare. Um, running backs usually don't do that. And it's usually a, a big, um, what like red flags, bad. What's good. Green flag. And it's a yeah. big indicator to me. I'm like, Oh, I'm going to go look at that guy. Cause he caught a lot of passes. He's obviously, you know, very versatile. If he's really 210, like 511, 210. Like, I think he's a solid athlete. I think he can, by the end of the year, be the RB two at Ole Miss. I think lightning can strike twice there. I think he can be this year's like freshman performer running back like Judkins and have a really nice year. I, not quite on that level, but I think he's a good player. I think he compliments Judkins very, very well. I like him. So I'm going to take him here. You probably won't have to quite take him here unless he just blows up over spring. That'll be something to monitor. Um, but I think uh, he can be the receiving back slash RB2 at Ole Miss by week seven. Yeah, I, I like that. I like the player here. I agree with you. I don't think you're going to have to take him here. No. Um, third or fourth round guy probably depending yeah. on what the free agency pool looks like yeah yeah i, I agree with you there um my guy my last pick here um is tayshawn lyons wide receiver going to washington uh first off we love that washington offense 
uh, Jalen McMillan is definitely coming back. And I think that's probably the role that uh, Tayshawn Lyons would play. Uh, I do think Tayshawn Lyons and, and Jalen McMillan. I think Jalen McMillan has inside-outside versatility. I just think he's better in the slot. I think Tayshawn Lyons could play on the outside as well if he needs to, if Adunze does leave. So we've not heard about whether wide receiver Roma Adunze is going to stay or go yet. Um, that's going to open up an opportunity here. This isn't a particularly overwhelming depth chart. There's a couple bodies in the way, but I think Tayshawn Lyons has a good chance to not be a year one zero. I also think he's a talented wide receiver. Um, so I, this is the range where I would actually take him. I don't know that you actually have to take him here, though. I think he's a guy that will fall a little bit further. Yeah, I think he'll fall a little bit, too. And he's a guy that I – he was very indecisive through the recruiting process, and there were concerns that he would flip to Colorado. Has he actually signed at Washington yet? Because on signing day, he was literally the only Washington player that did not sign at LOI. Oh, interesting. I haven't seen that, actually. I just yeah. – I thought he was locked in there. I'm worried he's kind of an idiot. <laughs> so, which is a concern with some of these kids. They, you know, they've got to go through like three filters of like tough process to to work out. So if they're an idiot, it it's tough. Really, really reduces chances there. Last pick for me, and I've already let the cat out of the bag. We talked about this on Debbie Debate on Cordell Russell. So I'm not going to take him, but he's a freaky wide receiver. The fastest kid we've measured in the class. He's like 6'1", 200, 6'2", 200 or something like that. Huge hands. Like he, he's if, if he can figure some things out, I think he's going to be dangerous. But that's not who I'm going to take here. Um, I'm going to go with a player. Hmm. Let's go with Vandravius Jacobs. We'll oh, go that direction. I, wow. I name out here on this site. He is a tier two wide receiver for me. I have him graded out almost equally to Keon Brown, Shelton Sampson. Uh, I have him higher than DeAndre Moore Jr. He's going to Texas. Uh, I have higher than Hakeem Williams, who's all he's going to Florida State with Jacobs. Jacobs is a kind of wide receiver that I fall in love with. Six foot and 70 kind of on the lankier side, a, a very, very glider. smooth mover. He is a glider. He's very, very fast. He's dangerous with the ball in his hands. Uh, I think he does a pretty good job in contested catch situations. There's room to bulk, but I don't think he has to get huge. Um, I think he, of the two going to Florida State, he is safer than Hakeem Williams. Yeah, but you have to understand that Hakeem Williams could also turn into Julio Jones. I My comp for... For him is Demarius Thomas for for Hakeem. Like that, that's the guy that I think he reminds me a lot of. Um, and we've seen the highs and lows with Demarius Thomas because who was the dude that came after him at Georgia Tech? Oh man. Um he was a first round draft pick based on Calvin Johnson yeah. and, and Demarius existing. Yeah. He was a terrible football player and he never learned how to play football. Was it Stephen, Stephen Hill? something? Stephen Hill? Yeah, Stephen Hill. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he never learned how to play wide receiver, and that's kind of my concern with Hakeem. Vandravis Jacobs does not have that ceiling, but I feel a lot better about him translating to college and then to the NFL today than I do about Hakeem. So okay. two sides of the coin there. I will take Jacobs here. I think realistically Jacobs is more of a round four, round five guy. And again, this will be another one where I'm going to – I don't I don't remember if he's an early enrollee or not. But I'll be paying very close attention to what happens at camp there. That 
similarly how we talked about the TCU wide receiver room last year, we said like, this is actually kind of a sneaky deep room. Like there's no real stars behind QJ, but there are a lot of bodies there. Florida state's kind of the same way. They have a lot of bodies there. They've got, um, they got Johnny Wilson. They've got Michael Pittman. They've got um, uh, a, a couple other guys too, that are like are good enough to get on a football field, but like nothing special. So we'll see how much they hold guys Malik like Jacobs McLean. and uh, yeah, um, yeah, I got. I nailed that situation so hard last year. You Just, did. I, a guy that kind of broke out, and I was like, "This dude's not good enough. He's going to get recruited over." And lo and behold, boom. Um, but yeah, like there, there's a lot of bodies there, so it'll be tough. But I think uh, I think Jacobs has the tools to be a successful college player, and he's refined enough early that I don't think you have to like teach him all these things like as soon as he steps on campus. So yeah, all right. So I'll. Real quick here, Colin, to wrap up this round, and then we'll get you out of here. Uh, 201, Cameron Selden, running back, athlete, wide receiver to Tennessee. 202, Carnell Tate, wide receiver, Alabama, or Ohio State, sorry. 203, Nico. Uh, I can't do it anymore, man. I got to just get in a mirror tomorrow and practice it or something. Uh, (laughs) Cute quarterback, headed to Tennessee. 204, Dontavious Braswell, running back, the real USC. 205, uh, Ruben Owens, running back, Luva, or Texas A&M. 206, Shelton Sampson, wide receiver, LSU. 207, Hakeem Williams, wide receiver, Florida State. 208, Deuce Robinson, tight end, USC, maybe. 209, Colin uh, took Jaden Greathouse, wide receiver, uh, Notre Dame. 210, Kedrick Riscano, running back, Ole Miss. 211, Tayshawn Lyons, wide receiver, Washington. And 212, Van Dravius, Jacobs, wide receiver florida state all right guys that's gonna do it for tonight's show we are in the off season so now we have uh our schedule nailed down again here for podcasts uh a fewer of them as we go into things here we've got chasing the natty that drops every monday campus life this episode or this podcast drops every tuesday debbie debates or sorry back to debbie on wednesdays debbie debate on thursdays and then canton bound on fridays We'll have more of our off-season content coming out in the next couple of weeks. Uh, the Future Freshman Podcast, which is a show about uh, freshmen from from a uh, college fantasy perspective. We'll have the Daily Draft Report coming out soon. Uh, that's a, a podcast run by Dwight Peebles uh, at the Peebles Champ, where he every day has like a 15, 20-minute episode, just uh, mini episodes, uh, each uh, with a different guest on every single time. They talk about a, a, a prospect. Um, so a lot of things going on. Go ahead, check all of it out. And then, of course, campus2canton.com if you want to be a member over there. Um, a lot of good stuff coming out there, too. We will see you guys later in the week with Canton Bound. Until then, guys, I am Austin. And this is Colin. Have a good one.